If you didn't know it until now, you are the Common Sense Nation. And this is Radio Free Almond. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. Lots of land and the starry skies above Don't fence me in Let me ride through the wide open country that I love Don't fence me in Let me be by myself in the evening breeze Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees Send me off another but I ask you please Don't fence me everybody what are you all doing for crying out loud get up get up everybody please we're here how do you like the new hd uh-uh look at that do we look great in the hd you know, in the business, we call this HD, you see. It's kind of a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. You know, like my when I take you back into my mahogany-wooded office. You know, that kind of thing. Looks pretty good. Oh, it looks great. Man, dude. We, and, and, and the feed goes directly into... We call this a feed, you see. Uh, <laughs> it's called a feed. I know. Not everybody knows the lingo. <laughs> But uh, we call this in our business a feed, <laughs> and it feeds right through your computer, people. Yeah. I mean, what more could you possibly want? So what we're doing is we're now live. Mm-hmm. We're on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We call this Facebook. In the business, it's called FB. Yeah. And the initials are FB. So when you see FB, that means Facebook. So now you guys are on the in. You're the in crowd. No, but the feed is directly into your computer now. So before last week, you guys were watching the entire production, but you were hearing us kind of like in a room. But now you are hearing us fed into the feed. Yeah. We call that the feed. So just so you guys know. Tell your friends there's a feed over here. 
Just telling you. <laughs> I mean, not everybody has access to this kind of stuff. No, they don't. The inside. The right. scoop. Yeah. Now, those of you who are streaming, of course, are hearing us just fine. And it's all good. But, you know, we notice that there's a, there's a, some people who are, you know, watching us and some people who are just listening to us. That's so right. We're there. And by the way, this, this entire show, don't listen to everything else we're talking about because really it's just an excuse to talk about that shooting in Brazil that, and, 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 the, and the heroic. So, so eventually we're going to get around to the heroic off-duty policewoman who came out and just blasted this robber who tried to, you know, this, this, is, this is a great example of what happens when good people have guns. That's just the bottom line. So everything else we're talking about is just an excuse to get to that. But eventually we'll get to it anyway. All the other stuff. All the other stuff. Fluff. Oh, yeah, this Jerusalem. Come on. Tel Aviv, Jerusalem. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, no. The president's fulfilling another one of his promises. Yeah, cue the left. So today's a big deal. At first I was like, oh, so uh, meanwhile, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin is going to be the guy overseeing this whole thing and going, um, he's the Treasury. What's that all about? Well, he's, I think he's Jewish. I think that's why they're, they're choosing him to do this because it's a, a big deal among America's Jewish community and among those who support Israel. And this is a gigantic, big move. This is a huge deal here. And again, it's something that the president promised he would do. And of course, typically, and we talked about this last week, Ryan, typically the media and everybody else who basically, they're anti-Israel. I mean, even the oh, self-loathing yeah. Jewish faith here in this country hate Israel. So, so, the, so like the, the real, well, who am I to say? But what I'm saying is the liberal Jewish population here will cut their own throats at the drop of a hat. They, they, they just don't even care. Hillary Clinton, they'll vote for, they'll vote for anybody who, who will fulfill their self-loathing fantasy. And so the Rabbi Talvies of the world, those people, you know, the Stacey Newmans of the world, you know, those, those folks, they'll, they'll undercut anything they think about under the guise of being, you know, apparently what? Tolerant. Tolerant, whatever, yeah. Which is why, like, 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 for instance, an inside scoop on this. And I, again, I got to go back to the uh, to the case again. But remember, a long time ago, when when uh, I was still working in the land of the lost. Remember the land of the lost? By the way, you probably don't because you're young. There was a show called The Land I of the Lost. Oh well, you know I what? No I, will, I will tell you though. Uh, Google Land of the Lost. And you'll see what I'm talking about. So back back when I was in the you know, in the land of the lost, the dinosaur radio, okay, uh, like the Gelman team left. You know, they, they were the one real estate firm that left. But the only reason they left, and Mar- and Mark Gelman told me this on the phone. I'm adjusting my microphone, people. We do that in the business using. Um, Mark Gelman said he was leaving because he had pressure from the Jewish community. That's one of the reasons why he said they left. What? I'm not kidding you. How is that? How is that? Because even this is the whole related? Parkway thing, the whole thing. Okay. And Mark Gelman, okay. they, 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 he told me that on the phone. 
So, so that's one of the only re- that's why nobody else left except like a couple of trade things and then sure. the Gelman team. And a couple of trade things were actually the same marketing person was represented. Joan Berkman was representing both of the, the both Palm and Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Right. And then you had Mark Gelman of the Gelman team, the coward that he was, said, "Oh, you know, we're." We got to leave because oh, I'm getting a lot of pressure from. And for whatever reason, it was a Jew. I don't know what that was about. I don't even care. But I'm just saying that's the truth. I'm telling you, like that's what happened. So anyway, interesting. These people are all people who would vote for people who would lead them to the trenches. And and, and so the idea of moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. While it is symbolic, it still represents a huge statement on the part of America's support for Israel, which is surrounded by people who want to destroy it. That's what this is, all right? And so reaffirming our, our institutional desire to protect a big ally, protect the Holy Land, is a big, big deal. So the idea that we're moving this to Jerusalem is a huge deal. Every president who ran, every, every person who used to run in the past, used to always say they were going to do this and never did, right? So everyone said, oh, yeah, we should do that. We should do that. And they never did until President Trump gets elected, and boom, he delivers on – but what's crazy about this whole thing, Ryan, too, is, it, is that, like, for instance, the – Israeli lobby or whatever you want to call it was always more than happy to hear themselves get lied to. Like, like, like many people in the community would, would, would always be more than happy to hear themselves get lied to by presidential candidates. And good morning, Matt. How are you doing, Matt? Matt is uh, working on. How do you guys like this, by the way? They really like it, except for just need a little bit more boost to the volume on Facebook. Oh, I see. Okay. And I can actually hear. Yeah. So he's going to... Boosting on Facebook. Is it too, way too low on Facebook? It's just a little too low on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. And then they want me to brighten it up a little bit. Oh, okay. So All we're right. good. Well, so, so it was just a hair low? It's just a hair low. That means it was really low. <laughs> right? Maybe. Enough that people were complaining about it. They were. They but look at how fast we can... When you guys turned it up, though, did it automatically... Like, did you hear me still? Or do I have to repeat myself? Oh, no, 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 no. You're... No. Oh, let's start again. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> all he really wants to talk about is this Brazil, Brazil shooting. Well, we're anyway. going to get around. This is all just filler yeah. right now. I do like the points that you're making on the uh, embassy. And I mean, that you makes know. for a peaceful morning. Well, you know, I, they have spent, specifically Israel, has spent the last eight years under the Obama administration pretty much. Hey, um, calm down. Hey, calm down, yeah, Israel. Yeah. Every time Israel like, was stood up for itself, you know, be careful. Uh, calm down. Don't be too aggressive. Like, yeah, so mm-hmm. it's got to feel great for Israel to finally have America as the ally that they have always known America to and should be. Yes. Well, you know what, though? It doesn't feel great for some people. Ryan, 
It doesn't feel great for ABC News, okay? Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel Full great Full bracing to see what the impact of this move is going to be. Jerusalem is a major flashpoint issue with both sides laying claim to parts or even all of it. So while almost every other country in the world tried to stay on the fence and... Pause it for a second. So it's always, when, it's, when it comes to our globalist media, it, every other country in the world is how we ought to be operating. So, so you can tell by the way this guy is juicing up this story. He goes, well, while every other country in the world is doing this, we're doing this. It's like that's your typical news media that basically these globalists would rather have Angela Merkel be the one that dictates our foreign policy than President Trump. That's how these people think, unless, of course, it's Hillary Clinton. And then, of course, she's a genius and we must abide by everything she has to say. But since it's President Trump, it's like, well, every other country in the world has remained neutral. Why are we? Well, because it's America first, and we do what we want to do, not what the Euro trash and what the globalists want to do. That's how we operate. But this is all confounding to the news media because they're like, well, you know, uh, why aren't we doing what France does? <laughs> why aren't we doing – believe me, let me tell you something. Had we done – what Europe did, like, for instance, in World War II, what do you think would have happened had we just said, well, you know, uh, Poland says or France says as, as tanks or as, as panzer Nazi tanks are rolling in to, 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 through their streets, you know, by the Louvre, everything else. Like, oh, well, you know, we should keep on doing what we're doing. <laughs> like, you know, we would be, I don't know whether we would be, but they'd all be speaking German. They'd all be raised under the Nazi flag had everybody actually acquiesced to the, to the Euro version of standing up for yourself, which was not standing up for yourself at all. Anyway, to Keep our- its embassies in Tel Aviv. America is now seen by many across this region to be siding firmly with Israel. Yeah, um, you're right. Good observation, buddy. I- I'm glad you're such a great correspondent there because, yes, Yes, the U.S. is seen by many people as firmly siding with Israel. How long did it take you to figure that one out? You know, it's like I can see the correspondent right now. You know, it appears by this move from the embassy to Tel Aviv that America is firmly siding with Israel. Yeah, I'm I'm a two-sixer, right? Yeah. And even I can figure out, yeah, dude, I don't know your name. But you're with ABC, so whatever. That's a good observation, buddy. That's a really – how long – to get a job as an ABC News correspondent and say, you know, wow, it appears that moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem is clearly a sign that America is firmly siding with Israel. It's like I could have a puppy come in here and tell you that. <laughs> and the puppy doesn't even speak English. Gives me hope that anybody at this point, like when you grow up, I want to be an ABC correspondent. Well, honey, you sure can yeah, you be. Too. Anybody can be. Yeah, anybody level. can. And I have a feeling you do want a puppy to come here and start talking. I would love that. I think that. that would be something. And it would be seen in HD. Yeah. It'd be on the carpet. It'd probably pee on the and carpet. And they could hear it. Yes, it'd come in and wheedle all over the carpet, but that's fine. We'd have paper down for it. You spill enough on this carpet anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Killing any prospect of peace. Okay, now, though the reaction with any prospect of peace, hiding yeah, firmly with Israel. Killing in Tel Aviv, America is now seen by many across this region to be siding firmly with Israel. Killing any prospect of peace. 
uh, says the correspondent, right? Says, says the news correspondent who has determined that because we are siding with Israel, we are killing any prospect of peace. I mean, that, that's, like, that's like saying back in the day, and I'll go back to World War II, that's like saying, oh, no, we're, we're going against, you know, Hitler Germany. That, that's going to kill any prospect of peace. It's kind of like the way we act when we fight terrorism, and they're like, you know, if you keep doing that, it's going to be a recruiting tool for the Mooge. They do it anyway. It's the same old garbage we hear time and time again from, in this case, the news media, who is firmly anti-Israel, who coddles the Yasser Arafat spawns out there. And so they're all angry about this move. But this is a really positive move. Yasser Arafat, though, and looking back on Google and stuff, what a good-looking guy he was, Yasser Arafat. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know how anybody, how the women just who were able to resist Yasser Arafat. I mean, I remember. You know, I just, it's been so long since I've I seen mean, his might, face. I it's, he's like a character out of oh, Dallas. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's like, man, I just can't <laughs> believe that people just didn't just, he had to not, I'm sure he had to like just slap women off of him, Yasser Arafat. In his day? Like I'm oh, seeing, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're seeing that? Uh-huh. Are you? Yeah. Now, though the reaction was muted in December when President Trump announced his intention to move the embassy to Jerusalem, it could be very different. You know why the the reaction was muted? Because nobody believed that President Trump was going to do it. That reaction, your reaction at the time was muted. It's like, yes, it was because they've heard this before and they thought there's no way this is really going to happen. And that's why the reaction was muted, because... Nobody believed that President Trump was going to do it because every other politician lied to people. We're not. So when he it wasn't really muted among us, though, remember when he announced it, because because there was obviously the reaction on the part of the uh, anti-Israel lobby where they were. Well, you know, we didn't really think you were going to do that. Like we thought normally we're just more than happy to be lied to by presidential candidates so just keep lying to us it will be fine but th- but now he really actually did it and they're like oh huh we normally we're just more than happy to sit there like a bunch of dogs and be lied to yeah. but he did it that's why that's why it was muted people that's why he says yeah. time round when his daughter Ivanka and son-in-law and advisor Jared Kushner attend the official opening this week and here's why It's 70 years since the creation of the State of Israel. But for Palestinians, is what they call the Nakba, catastrophe in Arabic. What are the potential national security implications of moving... You notice how he knows Arabic. Yeah. Yeah. It's otherwise known as... The day of catastrophe. It's like, boy, that was easy. It rolled off your tongue pretty well there, dude. Elitist, yeah, yeah, you know, global. It's like when people do stories on Puerto Rico. It's never yeah. just Puerto oh, Rico. Gosh. Meanwhile, in Puerto Rico, oh, like Geraldo Rivera, yeah. <laughs> he does, and I know it's you know, but he he loves doing that. Yeah, they all do that. It's a thing. My wife hates that. Pr- meanwhile, in Puerto Rico, it's like some some just some, oh, the like some lily white fifty <laughs> year old anchor. Meanwhile, in Puerto Rico, the it's like really, dude. I mean, really. How does that make you more worldly when you're Puerto Rico? I was like, 
You're not Puerto Rican. It's okay. Yeah. You can say Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. Yeah, right. Bring <laughs> that embassy to Jerusalem. You know, Dan, just as you said and just as Ian said, you could certainly see more protest. Why don't you say it in Arabic, Martha? <laughs> just as Ian said. Just as Ian said, catastrophe. Across the region. <laughs> and, and, and I think from my perspective, having... These are loathsome individuals here in the media, dude. It, this is so easy. I took... Well, how long was this? This was 59 seconds in of a story, and there were like... 30 different examples of ridiculousness in 59 seconds. That would be, on average, let's see, I'm a 2.6 grade point average. That would be a ridiculous statement every 0.9 minoseconds. Covered this region for so long, and people were so hopeful at certain points. Uh, Martha was the one who was crying when Hillary was elected. Martha kind of has that perpetual I'm crying face on. It's the liberal wine. You want to hear a, this is how she sounds. So hopeful at certain points along, and people were so hopeful at certain points during history that there might be some sort of peace deal. But now it's all gone. <laughs> because, because, because President Trump moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, killing all prospects. It's the liberal wine. Oh. And Martha Raddatz is really good at it because she looks like she's about to break down in absolute tears. We'll get to Brazil in a second, hey, people. This just has to make it oh. nearly impossible. <laughs> oh, this just, oh, this just has to be. I'm, okay, that's a minute nine seconds into this thing. A minute nine, and I'm already like, this is, cr- let's, let's take that back because it's too too brilliant to, to this just has to make <laughs> points during history that there might be some sort of peace deal this just has to make it nearly impossible oh! <laughs> it's so bad this just ha- this is reporting okay this isn't like this isn't like the abc commentator right. hour these are actual journalists this just has to make it impossible it's like okay Martha Raddatz regurgitating the same thing she said on her deck in in Virginia with all of her liberal friends the night before. This just has to make it impossible. Because you go in with any sort of predetermination about Jerusalem. Yes, suck up to the Arabs. That's the only way to do it. That's the only thing these people know is to somehow kiss up, kiss the rear of the Arab world. Don't you dare do anything that would possibly stand up for Israel, or you will, at that point, just kill all prospects of peace. This was, the whole thing is a minute 20, and and the last 10 seconds are like black. So that was a minute 16, and you heard everything you needed to hear about the left-wing view of Israel, of Middle East peace, and that there is nothing that will be acceptable to the news media. And by the way, that's a minute, 16 seconds of news. All right, that wasn't a minute, 16 seconds of the, the, Rachel the commentator. Right. Yeah, that, yeah. that was ABC News, okay? So you heard from a correspondent who, by the way, managed to spell, managed to speak uh, Arabic and call <laughs> this a catastrophe. 
as opposed to like saying Arabs think it's a catastrophe. Why do you have to like speak Arabic? This is otherwise known in the Arab world as a otherwise called a catastrophe. It's like just say catastrophe then. Yeah. Why do you have to speak the Arabic yeah. word You're for in catastrophe? America. I mean, you know, come on. So anyway, then 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 it's down to Martha who just simply regurgitates and repeats what the correspondent said. This is news, people. This is news. It's so weird how the very people that they defend are the very people that if they had the chance would inflict harm on they're not on our side. They no. don't love you more because you defend them. They could care less. These are the same people that chant death to America. Right. Like if you And death to Israel. Yeah, and if you cuddle up with these people, there is not some slim margin that they're going to warm on the other side. No. It, it, and it's it's the whole thing where it's like if if you dare criticize right. the Arab world, it's it's going to be used as a recruiting tool like the Mooj need recruiting tools. <laughs> That's all they do is recruit, kill, whatever. They don't. They don't need recruiting tools, and and and, and because they've hated us from the day one. It's like remember when nine eleven happened, and you had the usual liberal sycophants out there who were saying, "Well, it's because of our Middle East policy. They're mad at us because of this." I go, "Yeah, but they've been mad at us about that for a long time. Why do you think that this would be one right. example?" People forget that the goal of radical Islam is to take over. That's their goal. I'm not talking about Muslims in Kreev Core, okay? <laughs> they, they, they don't want to take you over. I'm talking about radical Islam. That's their goal, which is why, why, do you think, why do you think the population of radical Muslims has increased throughout Europe? Well, because Europe is weak. Because they have zero immigration policies. They don't stand up for their own country. Germany and France and the other guys were so snake-bitten by World War II. Like in Germany, like you go on a tour bus, like every five seconds they're apologizing for the Holocaust. Right. And, 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 and the entirety, of, which I don't blame them for doing, obviously. Yeah. I don't, you know. What I'm saying is, though, they're so culturally harmed and they hate themselves so much and their culture so much that they have become wishy-washy. Germany, which used to be the crown jewel of so many deep religious people, now is a ghost of itself in terms it's it's now so secularized that there's not even really a people don't even go to church in Germany anymore because they're so afraid of being nationalistic because of what Hitler brought to them that they they don't even they don't stand up for themselves at all. Well, radical Muslims know that it's much like when fungus takes hold of a weak tree. You, 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 they, that's what they're attracted to. They go there because their goal is to spread. That's their goal: spread, conquer, dominate. That's their goal. So they go in, and much like a fungus takes over a tree. Their goal is to eat that tree away until it topples. That's, that's how that works. And you're seeing it all over Europe right now. You're seeing what's going on. Where, they're, where you, you can't even, in Germany, they, they can't even wear swimming suits no. at public pools anymore. Be, you know, it may offend mm-hmm. them. Or, or the, the rapey, yeah, we'll radical Muslims will attack them. 
Yeah, you so better it's be like, in burkas. I know. I mean, because that, that's what they want. So, so it's it's much like. Uh, on the one hand, yeah, I guess we have to be more conservative and dress conservatively. But then if you don't, you get raped. It's like, oh, okay. I get, what, what is it about Islam, radical Islam that I don't understand? And here. this is what oh. the liberal left wants America to accept and embrace. The same people that are uh, feminists, that are wearing the pink hats, that are out there marching for women's rights. You realize if... You got what you supposedly want in this country. You wouldn't be wearing those pink hats anymore. Yeah. You'd be wearing burqas. And I'm not. I'm not one of those people who believe that the Islam is a hateful religion. I. I. Because if it were, we have like upwards of seven million Muslims in America, and and if it truly were some kind of violent religion, the way some people portray it to be, then obviously we'd have a lot more violence than we see, and we don't see a bunch of Muslims all over the country hurting people. But what I'm saying is, though, but as a movement, radical Islam, and also, by the way, if they are radical, they don't dare, they, they can't take a foothold here, be, precisely because we're more and more standing up for ourselves, and the more we do, the less likely it becomes, which is why Trump makes everybody so angry. They call it, uh, what do they call it, white nationalism yeah. or whatever else? Yeah. It's, like, it's like, you know, being nationalistic is some kind of crime in this country, standing up for the country, standing up for our borders, all that kind of thing is somehow some kind of crime here. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, though, reflexively, the radical Islam as it is, they, they weed in, they go where the weak people are, and that's how it works. That's what they do. That's the, kind of their goal. See, I think it is. I think it is a violent religion as a whole. I just think you hit the nail on the head. I do. I mean, if you read now, there may be some that don't take it to the violence level. Their book is a violent book. Um, I think it is. I just think it can't take a foothold. And I think that there are probably people who don't Muslims that don't follow it to the T. And that's the only reason why it's not violent. I view the religion as a violent religion. Yeah. I think some people are like, well, then yeah, you look at the old Testament, that's violent too. I get it. But, but back to the point about the culture itself, the, the people who are radicalized, the people who are the radical yeah. Muslims, they're the ones who want Israel dead. And, and, and all it takes is to have weak self-loathing yeah. members of the Jewish faith like we do have here in 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 uh in the United States to and other people in the news media to perpetuate this myth that because Israel is standing up for itself Israel is not interested in peace. Uh this is about peace through strength. Right. Israel absolutely knows that, which is why you have some of the toughest mothers you're going to find anywhere in the world in Israel. Go to – I remember people were all bitching about you know, having, to, having to take their shoes off and go through security yeah. in, in the U.S. And, and the TSA was <laughs> – you know, they shouldn't have – first of all, flying is a privilege. It's not a right. And, and, and you're lucky American Airlines doesn't hire the Israeli army to conduct security because if they did, you'd be asked – like you, you go to the airport in Israel – the first thing that will happen to you is there's a person with a gigantic gun yes. that walks up to you and, say, and will say, where are you going? And you'll ha tell them where you're going. What's in, your, what's in your bag? And you'll show them what's in your bag. And then they'll say, thank you. And then five minutes later, there'll be another one that will come up to you and go, yep. hi, 
where are you going? And like, I just was asked that. Where are you going? Um, you'll answer. What's in your bag? I just showed what's in your bag. That's how it works at the airport in Israel, okay, in Tel Aviv. They're not scared they to offend you. They don't take crap from <laughs> anybody. And, and most of these guys, which is why in Israel, the guys who are the, for instance, who have been elected, like Benjamin Netanyahu, these guys, you go back in their history, uh, uh, Shimon Perez, these guys, these guys were ball breakers in the Israeli military. They, the, in Israel, they elect people who have hugely rich military records. They're not afraid of that at all. Yeah. I mean, and you go back in time to these guys, and these guys, most of these guys are like these tough as nails members of the Israeli Israeli military. And I think that's pretty common across the globe. I mean, even looking at somebody like Putin, who is KGB, I mean, the world is not scared to vote in militaristic right. uh, leaders. Well, we in the past weren't really either. No. I mean, with Eisenhower and That's a new thing, else. though, that we are. We yeah. like it a little softer now. Yeah. Well, no, we don't. Because Trump isn't like that at all, Correct. right? I mean, we so we don't we've 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 turned the corner, right? Because we don't have we don't have an Obama now to wag his finger. Not nah, you, uh, calm down, uh, Israel. You can't be don't, don't be Community so tough. Community leaders, you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. Yeah, that's we don't have that anymore, which is freaking great. I love this world we're living in. I do too. <laughs> it's really nice. So anyway, that's the story today. And you'll hear and tonight. Everybody's gonna whine about Israel. You know, Dan, just as you said and just as Ian said, you could certainly see more protests across the region. And, and, and I think from my perspective. And here's here again, another example of where they see protests and therefore that's a reason to be concerned. It's like, um, so the so so if I go out and protest, which apparently actually that's true here in St. Louis, apparently, if you if you scream and whine loud enough. The weaker people will just you, you say jump and they say how high, but that's how these people are all operating. Having covered this region for so long, Aww, you've covered the region for so long. You know, I've covered this region for so long. You just can't imagine how this. And people were so hopeful at certain points during history that there might be some sort of peace deal. This just has to make it nearly impossible because you. <laughs> oh, and you should see her face. It's like it's like this is Martha Redis, the one who I'm telling you on election night, she was peeing her pants. She was so sad. Oh, no. It's like everybody in the media was like, oh, no. They like couldn't hide it. That was my favorite. That was my favorite part of election Absolutely. night. Absolutely, was watching the the news media look like they had just seen a ghost. For me, it was Chris Matthews when I saw little Chris Matthews' face. I mean, it was like somebody punched him in the <laughs> stomach. That feeling that was going up his leg was. Not the same feeling he once had. Yeah, it was the thing going up your leg was a gigantic wolf spider <laughs> to bite your, you know, what's off. Yeah, that that. But that's what that's what my favorite part of that whole oh, election that was. Same. Everybody just like in a state of oh, full gosh. blown panic. These aren't news reporters, people. These are people who are evangelists for the left. That's what they are, and and you, that's not reporting right there. That's just the feeling. And, and, and here's what they also will say, because oftentimes reporters will do this. 
they'll talk about how long they've come. I've been in the Middle East for 30 years. Maybe that's actually the problem. Yeah. You know, in all my years, like a, like a U.S. senator, I've been in Washington for 45 years. Like, um, that's, that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. And then all these reporters are going, I was there for 30 years. Look what's happening. Well, you're probably the reason because all you did was speak Arabic in your news reports and, and, and talked about what a catastrophe Israel is standing up for itself. And boom, there we are. All right, coming up, Jimmy Hoff, the Gateway Pundit. Jim Carafano just happens to be along for the ride. It's going to be at, what time did I tell him? Oh, um, 7 o'clock. I can't remember. i got to look at my back of my text. <laughs> Well, what more do you people want? I mean, come on. I'm trying to focus here. And, I'll, uh, and plus, i got to get to Brazil, too. And the debate Friday night, which was great. Oh, gosh, I cannot wait to talk about that. We put that. a link up to the full debate. You could watch it. Um, yeah. Austin Peterson's uh, group campaign gave us the tape. People are thinking, well, does that mean you endorse? I saw that. Uh, I said, no, I, I don't endorse any of these guys. It's just using yeah. what we had. Yeah. But it was a great night. I appreciate all of you being out there. And enjoying the, uh, the the illumination. I mean, it was it was. We started at seven o'clock, and we really kind of ended at ten. It was like three hours, and pretty much I only saw a couple people leave because, of course, they had to go do this, do that. But now, it, confirm this rumor. <clears throat> I heard you got a louder applause than anybody else in the room. Just admit it. Well, you know what? But but I was introduced. Like, I was the okay. only one introduced. Listen, like, I introduced the two people, like Ed Martin, and Ed Martin, who was acted like an infant the whole time, which was embarrassing, to, to at least to me. And then Stacey Washington was there, too. But Ed Martin, can you imagine, like, every five seconds he was talking about how he should be running for the U.S. Senate. It was really just like, you know, I, was, I felt like I wanted to go and, and bury my head in shame. <laughs> It's like, dude, you felt like really? Martha in that moment. I should be running for the U.S. I mean, I'll run for the U.S. And it's like, I, I think he was wanting people to like clap and maybe make it out like, oh, yeah, I do so, Ed. We love you. It's like, dude, like, no. Have you ever won a race? So anyway, no, but, but, but that was kind of a, one of the more embarrassing parts of the night. But no, but when they introduced me, yeah, we came out and it was like, boom. I think that is awesome. Radio Free Almond, baby. Everybody was wearing their RFA gear. Yeah. I was like, where's 97.1? Oh, you guys backed out because I was here. I get it. I understand. I see. But you know what? More than importantly, though, it was about the candidates, yeah. which is why when I came out, I said a few things, but this wasn't, this wasn't a night. This was not my night. Right. And so so I went, it, was a, it was a night for the candidates. It was nice, uh, the night for uh, America First Missouri, which did a great job in putting it all together. Uh, ben Murphy, uh, Annette Reed, uh, Diane Neff, and Renee Artman, they did a great job. And the rest of the volunteers there did a great job in, in setting it up. It was you know, just a great event. And there were, there were upwards of 400 people there. I mean, that was a Friday night. That's an amazing crowd. That is a Friday night, buddy. And, and in Fenton. And it was just great. They did a really fantastic job. And, you know, I think that what we saw and what a lot of people did observe was a real, a fairly distinctive uh, group of individuals running for the U.S. Senate. Every single one of them had a specific personality that ultimately became clear throughout the evening. So you had Christy Nichols and you had Peter Pfeiffer, who I call Ben for some reason. I'm not kidding you. I call him Ben <laughs> the whole <Sorry>. time. <laughs> 
I even called him Ben to his face, and he didn't correct me. But it's Peter, and he made a shtick about that, which is fine. Yeah, you know, I, you know, you know me. Like, sorry, dude, you, I called you Ben, but you're Peter. Got to correct. I get it. You know, I get it. So he milked that for the whole night, which is great. We're gonna have him in at some point. Uh, this great. Week. Christy Nichols, we have to have in as well, and then Tony Minetti. Uh, was was there and and he was vintage Tony Minetti. Yeah. Austin Peterson was vintage Austin Peterson, and then Cortland Sykes, who was with us yeah. here, actually was uh, people before this didn't really know much about him. Like they heard his name. These guys get no coverage at all. By the way, uh, in, in any of the news media, there was not one member that KSDK. I could see. Not one member of the news media there. In fact, it wasn't even reported on in the Post-Dispatch. Can you believe that? Like, they, like, they covered this ridiculous thing with Minetti and, and Peterson over yeah, their whole that. whatever that was, which was kind of not, not a wise idea at all. I don't know why they were doing that, but they didn't cover the debate. Like, nobody covered. Now, unless I'm missing something, did you all see? Because, I, I mean, I looked really hard because I, I wanted to be fair to the Post-Dispatch, which is more than it's ever been to me, but 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 I but but I looked everywhere for any kind of reporting at all on this debate. I mean, you had you had five U.S. Senate candidates there, five of them, of the six, and th- this doesn't even merit what we called even in in the in the old days uh, spraying, which was you know when when um, you go by and just get some video or something of all of them. You know, and then just put it on the news and say, hey, there was a debate tonight. Check it out. Here they are, blah, blah, blah. They didn't even do that. Would it have been different if Holly would have been there? Do you believe the news media would have been there? Well, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's really more incriminating than anything. I, I agree. If, if, if it would be different if Holly were there, then that really makes the media suck even more. Pardon my language. But that, that's really what the that, – that is even worse. Because certainly the Post-Dispatch, would you would think – would want to be there at a five-way debate with five Republican U.S. senators, one of whom has a pretty good chance, somebody there has a pretty good chance of defeating their candidate, Claire McCaskill. The Post-Dispatch candidate, Claire McCaskill, is vulnerable. And so, so you'd think that at the very least they'd be interested in some way, shape, or form in covering this debate, but not one. I, I'm a, maybe I'm mistaken. Is anybody, if anybody on Facebook, if you've seen any other coverage of this somewhere, uh, or if you're streaming whatever, and you can have a way to message us, let me know. But but I didn't see one ounce of coverage of this thing, which is truly a shame. And but it was but it was great. It was great. And and thank you all for your uh, great support. It, that night it was it was kind of nice to kind of walk out there and say hey radio free almond is back so we are we're really happy for that so ryan what do you say without further ado let's go ahead and play ladies and gentlemen our national anthem
Why don't you want to live? Where's Soulmate's body? What's wrong with you? Soulmate's body right here. Radio Free Almond. That's right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Yeah. So people want to chime in, do they? Well, let's let them. Okay. We will give you the number that you can call into the show. You can actually call in to the show. And how, how are people liking the brand new video stream? And by the way, so you guys are plugged in now to the audio. So you're not hearing us like kind of like on a, the air. In a room. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. It looks good, too. And, b- and by the way, eventually, you have one camera here, right? You're going to have, what, four? Four. So this is just, we're just testing it today, but we're eventually going to have cameras all over the place. You will be able to see your gorgeous face, Jamie. Oh, Ryan, but people will be able to see your gorgeous face from that <laughs> camera over there. So it'll be gorgeous everywhere, people. Come on. Yeah, no, uh, it'll be great. So we're going to be it's going to be like a TV show, basically. Yes. We call that switching. Switching cameras. Uh, switching. Feed, switch, FB. FB, Facebook. You're learning the lingo, I know. You guys are in. You get an in crowd now. By the way, RFA, that stands for Radio Free Almond, people. Oh, and people were buying, they loving the hats and the and the you know what really looks people really like? Apparently the women love the teas. The tanks the, 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 or the, the tanks? teas? The tanks. the tanks are sweet. Yeah. They why are. does my wife not have an RFA tank? Dude, I will get her one. I mean, I don't know why. I don't know why. I, She'd you know, have rocked I, that at Lake of the Ozarks this weekend. I know. She totally would have. You were rocking the t-shirt, though. Oh, I was rocking it all. People, Everybody at Lake of the Ozarks. They're like, Radio, I'm not even kidding. Everybody. <laughs> I'm at Lake of the Ozarks. That's three hours away. People are like, Radio Free Almond, Jamie Almond. Love that guy. Oh, man. I love it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to give you a box of teas to take down You are. You. It'll be like, I can go to Party Cove. Right? <laughs> I'll put the t-shirts in the, in the cannons. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Shoot them out of the cannons. Oh, man. Party Cove. That just sounds great. Oh. But so you're going to give them away? Is that what you're going to do? Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. You know, we we, ought, we need to make a um, some kind of contest or something because I don't want everybody having to buy this stuff. I mean, I appreciate the fact that you are, but I want to like let's help and support the show. And, like every single thing that you see that's an improvement is an improvement because we're supporting it with the merchandise exactly. and all that. You know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, so, and you know, we we it it doesn't hurt that we're uh, dealing drugs, so that's good too. <laughs> I mean, and, and, uh, so it's all working out really well, and we're boot, yeah, we're bootlegging. You know, we got we got still back there, so we're selling. You know, <laughs> liters of uh, you know rocket fuel. It's so weird that I mean, you say that because last night I was watching a show, a documentary on the prohibition. Oh yeah, man, you could have made some money back then, dude. I told you though. Remember, we were talking about the whole I know. income tax thing. That's why I watched it? Booze was like a huge <sighs> deal, and when it was on the coming, all these government idiots panicked because they weren't going to have money anymore coming into the government. That's, that's how we got, it's pretty much how we got the federal income tax because of prohibition or the, or the forecasting. Of right. It. But I, I went through all that before, so I'm not going to have to, I'm not going to deal with that again. Uh, coming up at seven o'clock, uh, Jim Carafano is going to be with us. Yeah, I got this nailed down. And then we're going to talk to Jimmy Hoff at about eight o'clock. And so, so did you give the number? We didn't give the number. Oh we? yeah. Sorry. It is. Yeah, 
314-462-2772. And you're saying people want to talk about the Senate debate? I thought I was really fascinated by it because I really thought that it was the one time where, well, first of all, you folks haven't really heard about any of the candidates seemingly except maybe Hawley. Obviously, you all who are energetic consumers of the Radio Free Almond and, and, and of other information, you all are plugged in. But there are a lot of people who really didn't know much about, for instance, Peter Pfeiffer or Christy Nichols or haven't heard Austin talk at any length except for here on the show or Tony Minetti or that kind of thing. But they were – I'll tell you, I think this is the most impressive group of Republican candidates I've seen in a long time, especially for the U.S. Senate, that I've seen in a long time. And so I was, I was very impressed – with uh, the whole grouping, I was impressed with, the, and, and and it really didn't get like it, I, even like like for instance, there were clearly Austin Peterson supporters in the crowd, sure, or there were clearly Tony Minetti or Cortland Sykes or Christie or or Peter, but but nobody, everybody was very respectful. I mean, they they, they cheered their person on. They they certainly, obviously, you could tell some people had preferences, which is really cool. But there were a lot of people there who really just wanted to listen. And they, and they really just kind of wanted to hear what these folks had to say. There were some, I think that there were some clear differences in terms of approaches to foreign policy. And pretty much down the line, they all were very similar in their views of uh, the court and that kind of thing. And the border was got some discussion going. Sure, really I heard about that. There. Yeah, there, there were some people who were, uh, it was it was interesting to hear them talk about that we took questions from the audience and it was just overall really a really a great night and missouri first america first missouri did a great job in putting it all together and again uh, uh ben murphy renee artman diane neff annette reed and the rest of the crew there but everybody was overwhelmingly positive oh. and so can we take a quick caller sure why not good morning this morning uh, how are you Hey, Jamie, this is Kevin. <laughs> hey, hey, Kevin, what's up, man? He, Kevin was the one I saw at the debate who said, I usually call into the show. Oh. I think I'm called into your show. Look, he's here now. I, I, this is the Kevin hey, I ran Jamie, into, right? I got, I, got, I, got, I got to call in today. I'm on my way into town in the city of St. Louis. A whole lot of us are going down there to show our support toward our governor and the false accusations that's being levied against him. And uh, with no evidence, with no evidence, I don't even know how this trial can continue, wasting the taxpayers' dollars on uh, this nonsense. But, Jamie, it's good hearing from you, and I've been listening to your podcast. My wife's got it on her phone, and uh, you're sounding good, brother. You're sounding great. Kevin, thanks so much, man. I so appreciate you, and you're so right about what's going on down there. This Kim Gardner case, I, I, I can't believe that her ineptitude and corruption hasn't been covered at all. I mean, the, the Post-Dispatch is singularly obsessed with Eric Wrighton, so every day there's some story about him and about his problems, but they never talk about this corrupt woman, Kim Gardner, who is the most inept. Any, any attorney even in the city of St. Louis knows that she is notoriously inept. It's unbelievable she even could hold office. It's, uh, hey, James. It, it, yeah, hey. Oh. Yep. It's Michael. 
Oh, oh, hey, Michael, how you we doing? We got Michael you... on here now. <laughs> Sorry, it's hey, Michael. Jamie, how are you, man? Hey, brother, how you doing, you hoser? What's happening, <laughs> oh, man? Oh, God, it's great. Great seeing you, great hearing you. Oh, nice. So are you now seeing us? Oh, absolutely. Okay, cool. Very cool. Well, this is great. Sorry, we got And, and Michael goes in. He's been a long That's time. right. You just kind of picked up, and I went, whoa, I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I didn't know where Kevin went to. It's like, you know, we're, we're learning the system yeah. right now. Yeah, so we're getting it. So how you doing, man? Everything's going uh, coming right. through loud and clear for you? Com- coming through great. Coming through great. Sorry I couldn't make it last week to the debate, but we're watching you and listening to you and spreading the word. Hey, buddy. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Michael's been, I've known Michael since the days of uh, JC, right? I mean. Yes. Going back. Going back. Oh, brother. Yeah. Michael's Can't can't wait to watch the the whole story unfold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Oh, you mean which story? The the one about. Uh, Your your story and the lawyers. Oh, buddy. (laughs) Let me tell you something. This is this is just beginning, so it's going to be very it's going to be a very entertaining summer for for a lot of you, and it's going to be great. I mean, because believe me, what you all want, you're going to get. I'm just telling you. So, and and, and then at the same time, Radio Free Almond is going to be tooling along and going well and everything else. But 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 for your entertainment purposes, uh, you'll enjoy what's going to be happening uh, on the on already the enjoying side. it. All right, buddy. All right, man. Appreciate it. I All right, appreciate you guys. Very much. Oh, thanks. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he's like nonstop. <laughs> Hello. Good morning this morning. Hello, this is Ryan. Who's Good this? morning this morning. Good morning this morning. This is Who Brandon. Is this? Oh, hey, Brandon. What's up, brother? I'm doing well, doing well. I heard the number. I'm like, well, hey, I ain't got to talk to Jamie since, I don't know, Friday, so let me give him a call. <laughs> yeah, Brandon was out there videotaping uh, the thing, too. You were out there videotaping, too, right? Were you, were you, are you the one? Is it, are you where we got the Austin feed from? Yes, yes. Okay, good. Yeah, because that, that's up on Facebook right now. Uh, and, and we put, I guess that's Brandon's video, really, that you're seeing there up on Facebook because we just put the link to it. And you did the whole nine yards, so we we have the entire link up there. And Brandon, buddy, uh, thanks so much, man. Brandon's a young guy and a, really a, a fun guy, and has been really immersed in common sense and the All in the Morning Show when it was the All in the Morning Show yeah. back in the Dinosaur Land, Line of the Lost, and now it's Radio Free Allman, and he's just made the transfer, right, Brandon? Yep. Well, I just wanted to call today and say he did a great job on Friday, and the candidates it was great for him. Um, and I also I wanted to I never really got a chance to, to thank you because you're the one who got me in touch with Austin Peterson back uh, about six months ago or so, and uh, now he's a friend and uh, you know I help him any chance I get big supporter of his and uh, never really got a chance to thank you for that. Well, you're welcome, buddy. Uh, you know Austin has had and again I, I, when I put the video up there, people said, "Oh, thank yeah. you for endorsing Austin Peterson." I'm not endorsing anybody. But I am more than happy to uh, promote individuals who are promoting themselves. And I thought early on, Austin's campaign did a, a great job. He's got some great grassroots people working for him and a great organization. Tony has a really good one, too, yeah, Tony Minetti. He does. Uh, Cortland has his core there, and he was with us uh, the other day. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed. But the Austin Peterson thing has been very impressive only because he's just had an army of people out there, and he just he's hungry. And, and, I, and you have to admire people who, yep. who want the job. And t- I think Tony and, and Austin are both uh, pretty interesting. 
dynamic characters Definitely. in their own right. And Cortland actually uh, made a pretty good play there, too. But, Brandon, thanks so much, man. Uh, you're the best, and, and thanks a long time ago coming out. Brandon, you're a, you're a motorcyclist, too, aren't you, buddy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just busted it out over the weekend to take it for a ride. There you go, brother. All right. Thank you. Well, Brandon, Ooh. thanks a ton, man. Yeah, I mean, so there's been I so I don't want people to think I'm I'm taking one side or the other as it relates to um candidates. I just but 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 if you're excited, I'm excited. That's yeah. just how I am. I love talking to to Austin Peterson or I love talking to his people. I love talking to Tony Minetti who just has this passion. He's Tony Minetti is interesting cuz he's that was so that's what was so funny about the other night cuz everybody had very distinct personalities. Definitely. And, and Tony's like this, you know, this emotional, just really uh, effusive Italian guy. He's like, oh, you know, he's like, he's like out there and he's like just, you know, and he's a, he's a fighter pilot. And, yeah. You know, I mean, the, and, and a veteran. And he's just like, he's your, he's almost like out of a movie. You he know? is. He's like the guy that when you get ready that, you know, you're, you're going to get the family together. Yeah. Everyone's kind of excited. Cause you never really like, you're just excited. Tony's going to be there. Hey, what's yeah. up everybody? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> and then Austin Peterson is great because he's like, really, he's very serious about what he's doing and, and he's smart and he's got a, a lot of personality himself. And so I thought that was really cool. Cause Austin has, you know, I think he and Tony, in another world, they seem to be a little more, you know, uh, on each other because they're, they're, the, they're the two front runners, yeah. obviously. But 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 they're both distinctive personalities. But Austin has his own little niche there, and he's like serious as a heart attack, but he also is very assertive in what he's doing. Has a sense of humor like Tony does. Cortland Sykes kind of came out of nowhere, uh, and, and and not for it by his fault. You have to realize that a lot of these people they they you don't know them unless. People pay attention to them. And again, not one member of the news media was there. Not one. I mean, I'm talking about the Post-Dispatch. I mean, you could go onto the Post-Dispatch website right now and see everything you need to know about the stabbing in North St. Louis or, oh, yeah. or, or the fire somewhere here or the, the body found in some vacant lot in Carbondale. But they'll never they, – they don't cover anything about what's really important to you. And this – you know why? Because they don't want any of these people to be the next U.S. senator. They, they're, that, that they, are the, they are the propaganda sheet for Claire McCaskill, and that's all they are. They're not worth the paper they're printed on, and they don't care about politics. Can you imagine five, five U.S. Senate candidates in one place with 400 people there at a public school, it wasn't like it was at, you know, the right. the Elks Club right. someplace where yeah. they had where you couldn't get in. This was a public school, Rockwood High School there, and and you could walk in. Yeah, you could you could walk in. And thank you to my friends over at Asymmetric Solutions because we knew that you could just walk in. So I appreciated the fact that they were there uh, with me in terms of security, and everything else, because there was rumors there were going to be protests. Yeah. But these guys, believe me. Oh, uh, the the protesters, uh, you've had enough, and you know you've had enough, and that's why you're yeah, that's why you're not there. But nonetheless, uh, five U.S. Senate candidates, Republican U.S. Senate candidates, with a vulnerable Democrat U.S. senator. Yes, not one member of the news media there. Somebody said Politico was supposed to be there, but I didn't know where that person was. There, there but but there was not one 
member of the news media, not a camera, nothing at this thing. Because they're still crying in their cereal that Claire McCaskill may lose the seat. Right. Well, and, and they don't want her to. Right. So they're, so they're working for her. Definitely. And that's, what, that's how they do things over at the Post-Dispatch. And, of course, unfortunately, we only have one newspaper in town. Because the Post-Dispatch basically bought the Globe and closed it. So, so much for freedom yeah. of the press there. Uh, and then I, I'm, I'm, I'm making shortcuts there, but it, technically that's kind of what happened. And then you have the TV media, which is you might as well give up on, on that. I mean, they're, they're not interested in anything because anything that requires any kind of thought – as opposed to a warm body standing in front of a burning building or an empty yeah. uh, school or something like that at 10 o'clock at night for no reason. They don't care about anything related to real things that affect real people. And so they're not, what? And by the way, so we have, uh, let's see, we have Channel 5, Channel 2, Channel 4. I think Channel 11 still does things. So we have four different television stations, not one of them bothered to come to this debate. Not one of them. And so you're going to have these other companies coming in and all these people taking over these TV stations. And, and, and believe me, these people don't care. And, and, they, and, they, and by the way, Channel 2 has how many newscasts? Oh, yeah. Five in a day? Yeah. And they couldn't figure out one way to come to what was, has been the only debate that we've had here in St. Louis, the only one. Or what about Kansas City, Springfield? All of these have new... Dude. Under normal circumstances, yeah, they would have sent media to no. this debate. I mean, this is a massive... They, it's a news story. They want an outcome, and the outcome is only Claire McCaskill. And so right. they're so what they do is they try to pretend that these other guys don't exist because if they don't exist, then you don't know about them, and if you don't right. know about them, then you just assume Claire McCaskill is going to be it's 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 the it's the same old stuff. They just don't care. But what worse than that, they care so much yeah. that they're going to block you out of any information. But you know what? Nowadays, uh, first of all, the viewership, for instance, of my Facebook page yeah. exceeds the viewership of any local newscast you're going to find anywhere in the land. 100%. So, so don't worry about that. So you can go on on the Facebook page and see the tape that we have of the debate, and it's a full start to finish. I think they're, they're, it might have cut off after Yeah, it was a good amount of time. But, but, it's, but it's still, you, you're getting a really good sense of like who, what these people are. It's unedited. So you can watch it yourself, or you can you can fast forward or do whatever you want to do. Fast forward past Ed Martin saying he needs to be the next U.S. senator, and then and then and then go on to what's important to you. So I will say, clowning. We do have to get Austin Peterson on the show because I, I'm seeing the comments are lining up. They've been lining up all weekend after the debate because a lot of people were. Posting on there old Austin Peterson tweets. tweets where he's come out against Trump supporters. And then not only that, there's definitely another um, element to Austin Peterson where he is uh, admittedly, I guess, not a Christian. And I know as a Christian and other Christian voters, we look at stuff like that. That's important to our values because ultimately, how can you... Uh, 
make moral decisions that would defend Christianity? If you're, I, these are just questions. Well, and, and the thing in defense of, of Austin Peterson on that level, because uh, even the evangelicals, when they voted for President Trump, yep. they really didn't need somebody who is a regular churchgoer. What they needed was somebody who they could depend on to defend their liberties, because that's really what a lot of people who are religious individuals, and, and I consider myself to be among them, I just want peop, somebody there who I know will protect my liberties. And right. keep in mind, there are a lot of people, uh, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not just reflexively defending Austin Peterson on the Christianity point, but here's the bottom line. Uh, some of our founding fathers, they did believe in God or a God, but they weren't all avid churchgoers. Some of right. them were deists. Some of them were, I mean, you know, so, so it wasn't like they were all going to some church every weekend, uh, 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 every Sunday or during the week. So, so I, I can, I can it, much like a lot of people who looked past President Trump's uh, views or, or his church going whatever, it's like, well, you know, how, do you, how can you vote for this guy? Well, there were people who were convinced that he was going to fight for them. And right. I think there are a lot of people who can look past that whole thing. The thing that, that Austin has to definitely, I think, explain to people are those older tweets yeah. where he called, for instance, Trump supporters cowards. Yeah. And he was running on the libertarian ticket. He, I think he needs to come out and address those issues. Now, keep in mind, again, and I'm not running your interference for Austin Peterson because I do. I'm impressed with all these guys. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, too, uh, Ted Cruz supporters said some pretty crappy things about Trump supporters, okay? But I still, first of all, admire Ted Cruz. I happen to, I liked him personally. I thought he was a great candidate. And you know what? I really didn't like some of the things he said about Trump supporters right. and about Trump. But I also understood that that was a field uh, of, uh, and, and that was my biggest issue with everybody, whether they be Hillary supporters or other people, is it's one thing to attack the candidate and, and to address the candidate. Once you go after the, the actual supporters, that's going to tick me off, okay? And, and so when Hillary called Trump supporters deplorables, it basically killed her candidacy. So uh, did you, you got Jimmy on there, buddy? I'm going to get him on right go now. Go ahead and line him up. But, but, so, so that's going to be something Austin has to deal with. The like, number I can you look are calling past. from has been associated with high... This happens sometimes. Yeah, hold on. I'll just call back. That woman didn't the, sound very enthusiastic. She did. She was like, you know what? That number you're calling really doesn't really go anywhere. He's Why are you calling guy. this number? Like, I would be the, I should record the voice going, this number doesn't work. What are you calling <laughs> this number for? Get off the phone. The number you are calling from has been associated with. Try not to sound so enthusiastic, lady. I think it's just you know? the fact that he's a really popular guy. Okay, let me just see. Jimmy always gets this stuff wrong. He has a meeting. There we go. There, okay. Your call has been forwarded to an Look automatic at that. How does Carafano do this to me every single time? I think it's part of a game. I'm going to try him again. (laughs) He's got a meeting at 8.30, which is 8.30 EST. Okay. And and so so I'm calling him at 8 to give him a chance to get through the meeting at at, uh, at 8.30. But really, we're, all we want is to go. We're, we want to cover the, the story in Brazil. But what the impact of this move? Your call has been forwarded to an. Automatic- I want to talk to you today, Carafano. I don't, what is he doing? We never last know what he's week. Doing. He didn't. He thought it was. It was supposed to be Friday. I mean, the guy's a very smart guy. 
but sometimes he's an airhead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I give him trouble about that. Uh, Do you want me to try one more time? Yeah. Okay. I mean, we're kind of late. We're supposed to call him at eight. I know, because we get excited about some of these conversations. Oh, yeah. No, it's not your fault. It was me, me babbling on. But he's going he's gonna to answer eventually. He'll, but he, I, I just we should leave him, a voicemail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I will. I'll leave a voicemail. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Hey. Oh. Oh, Hello. hey. Ladies and yeah, gentlemen, Jimmy you- Carroll. Huh? Why don't you call me on my landline? Oh, um, I didn't have that number. Will you text it to me? I'll oh, call you on the landline. <laughs> okay. Just give it to you. No, 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 don't do that here. I mean, my people are all trustworthy, but uh, it's, they're not, going to, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to, you know, um, can't text it to me. He just puts this it out like a disaster. There. He just has that. Well, you know, and you know what? Our people no. wouldn't bother him. But you know what would happen. Somebody would get on, get his number. God would have to change his number. <laughs> Be terrible. Oh, right, here we go. It's 202. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people. Why do we have so much fun on this? He's going to love He's going to love the intro because I've got actually the intro music. Okay. But I, but I can't... Uh, play the sound that used to be his intro because it has the whole almond in the morning from the land of the lost thing did you ever google land of the lost by the way i did it was so and there you go hey just, check this out buddy. Like i want to i want to play something okay We'll have to cut a new intro for you because, you know, uh, this was the theme music for your old intro, Jimmy. Oh. A, a band called Grigori 3. They're a pretty good yeah. band, by the way. But you had like a little sounder there and, 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 you, um, and you, you mentioned Almond in the Morning and, and you really couldn't. Um, I can't do that because that's not the show anymore, so. Yeah. Well, you know that. You know. So what's the plan? How you doing, buddy? Yeah. Hey, you know, I, we'll have to we'll have to redo it, do it somehow. We will. Uh, this uh, big monumental move where President Trump once again is uh, driving people crazy because he is uh, fulfilling a promise that is moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And, of course, everybody's saying, yeah, I just played an ABC News report a while back when we first started the show, and they're all – Bitching and moaning because suddenly this is going to hurt the peace process, whatever. And that, they, these are news reporters, by the way, you're taking that stance. Right. But it's a pretty big deal. Well, look, the peace process was dead. Everybody knows that. So you, you can't hurt a dead person. I mean, you know, you could take a dead body and put it in the street and drive over. They're not going to feel it. They're dead. So the notion that somehow we were harming the peace process, that's a joke. And then the other thing that was just laughable, I said, well, the, the U.S. will no longer be seen as, a, as an independent negotiator here. Well, we've, never, we've never been independent. We have an alliance, with, a strategic alliance with Israel, for God's sakes. You know, we're on a side here. That's kind of never been the issue. And the third thing is, is the Palestinians were just dead set on doing nothing. I mean, they have the best of all possible worlds. They have a corrupt little dictatorship that they're very happy with. And if, and if there's actually peace with Israel, then the reason for their corrupt little dictatorship goes away. So these, these yahoos have no interest in peace. And I think what the president wanted to do is to, to let them know that playtime was over, right? 
that we're not just going to keep playing a kabuki dance here, and that if you guys are serious about peace, come talk to me. If not, we're going to let you know that we are not, that we are not happy with just you guys doing business as usual. So cutting the aid, moving the embassy, that was the president's subtle little message to them that you just can't you know run out the clock forever. Yeah, I mean, and, and that and that and that is the thing too. Is it is it? It's weird because up until now. The Israeli supporters or the or the or the the people here in the United States were more than happy to be lied to because because it was weird because when President Trump announced that this was actually going to be happening, everybody was like, "No, normally we just tell people we're going to do that. We don't really right, actually yeah, we don't do actually it. Do that, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, and and that was the craziest thing about it. No, I mean this is I think kind Why? of emblematic of it's foreign seven- policy, which is you know Einstein once said that. Uh, that insanity was was beating your head on a wall and expecting a different outcome. Um, and I think that's the president's attitude towards foreign policy. If you keep doing the same things over and over again, whether it's dealing with China or North Korea or Iran or the Palestinians, and you're not getting anywhere, maybe you shouldn't just keep doing the same thing. I mean, that's kind of the whole point to Trump's foreign policy. Well, and as it relates to North Korea, which you just mentioned, and of course them – Kim Jong-un saying now they're going to blow up their existing nukes or get rid of their existing nukes. Do you, A, believe that? And, B, I got a message from somebody over the weekend saying, and who's a liberal, saying if this happens, if President Trump and his team get this out of these negotiations, he definitely needs the Nobel Peace Prize. Not that he really necessarily might want it, but nonetheless, it's a pretty big deal. Right. I I imagine he just... If he got a Nobel Peace Prize, he'd probably like lend it to the Obama Presidential <laughs> Library, right? Um, yeah. So if you asked me a, a month ago, I would have said, no, it's just the North Koreans being the North Koreans. I would I would probably bet 50-50 that that's still just the North Koreans playing rope-a-dope. On the other hand, um, you know, our guys talk to the North Koreans. They They meet with non-governmental organizations and they they do say that this guy is different, that he is not bound in the way his parents and grandparent was, that um, that he wants to break out of isolation. And so I suppose it's remotely possible that he would come and put a big deal on the table. But here's what I will say. This administration, are, they know how the North Koreans play the game. You promise, you do a little something, you get a big concession – and then you just go back to being North Korea. They know that. They're not stupid. They're not going to put up for that. So if it is Kim coming to the table and just doing same old, same old, they'll just, I imagine they'll just walk. You know, on the other hand, if he does want to do something big, I, Trump will cut a deal. But the North Koreans are going to have to deliver, you know, before they get to, And that's just a fact. But what we have actually seen here is they, they've, I mean, they're not big. I mean, obviously, if you're the family of a hostage or the hostage, the hostage release is a big, huge thing. But um, they release the hostages and uh, they're closing down this nuclear facility. And we can debate whether it's operational or not or actually whether they need it anymore since they've, they've already done the testing they need to do. But they have, in a sense, kind of given at least two, a couple of things for nothing at, at the front end, which may just show that they're really smart about negotiating Americans. That when you give an American something for nothing, Americans are appreciative and they feel like they need to do something, you know, reciprocate on that. When you give a Russian something for nothing, they just think that you're an idiot. Um, right. <laughs> so we'll see. 
Well, you know, what's interesting, Jim, too, is when you mentioned that this might be a game of rope-a-dope, the reality is it might be, and I've seen, you know, editorial cartoons for... Right. Uh, people still look at editorial cartoons for some reason, but anyway, the, of, of, you know, uh, Trump being uh, Charlie Brown and Kim Jong-un being Lucy holding the football. Right, and all yeah. that, And uh, all that might be true, but the reality is we've never heard... A North Korean dictator talk like that, even if they are kidding around or not being genuine, we still have not heard anybody really actually talk like that. Well, look, first of all, one, we know they play Lucy with the football. So, that, you know, that's, you know, they're not stupid. They get that. The other thing is, if you look at our strategy, which is maximum pressure, nuclear deterrence, missile defense, conventional deterrence with our allies in Japan and South Korea and sanctioning. As long as we keep that in place, it doesn't matter what the North Koreans do, right? So as long as we stick with maximum pressure until North Korea is no longer a nuclear threat, it doesn't matter if they play ball or not. They still can't really threaten us. So we do kind of hold all the cards here. We just need to play them smart. So, Jimmy, when it came to Iran and when it came to uh, the tearing up of the Iran nuke deal, there was a certain trading of missiles there for a while, uh, maybe for a day. What was that right. all about? Because I, I thought it was like, oh, okay, this is just kind of symbolic because it really seemed to be because it just happened very quickly and, well, and then went away. Well, it had nothing to do with the Iran deal. And matter of fact, that, that was among the most fatuous reporting is like, oh, Trump tore up the Iran deal, and the war started between right. Iran and Israel. I mean, that was, like, laughably stupid. I <laughs> mean, the reality is, is you know, the Israelis have been warning the Iranians for months because the Iranians have been encroaching in Syria, and, and our, our, the Israelis find that really threatening. And the um, Israelis have been warning for months that they were going to push back, push back, push back. And, uh, and then they did. And actually, if you look at what the Iranian response was, it was pretty lame. I mean, they fired some rockets at some empty ground. Um, and the interesting thing was the Russians just kind of stood there and watched the Iranians get pounded and said, you know, hey, you know, it's your problem, not mine. Jimmy, I have a question to ask you about. Did Ben McGuire ever get back to us about this flag? Because we have an American flag. We've been looking all over for an American flag for the studio here, which is, by the oh. way, beautiful. Now we're, now we're in HD, so your voice right now is being seen in HD. Can you believe that on Facebook? <laughs> My voice is being seen in HD. Oh, yeah, they can see your voice. How impressive is that? I know. I mean, it's a pretty amazing you technology. Know, I, have a, I know enough about technology to know that you just – that was just – a nothing burger, but okay. <laughs> I know it was, but what else is new, right? So I have I, we we got this American flag from Ben. I'm going to hold it up for a second, um, and it was a folded American flag, uh, a cl- beautiful cloth American okay. flag. But it was folded much in the way, for instance, like people will, will recognize when I was doing Facebook Lives, for instance, from my piano room. Yesterday marked the uh, 21st anniversary of the death of my father. Uh, who was a Navy veteran, and I happened to be one of the lucky ones, the young, youngest of six, but so of six kids, I, I'm, I'm, I'm privileged to have the flag that co- covered his uh, casket uh, that was then folded okay. and presented to the family. And I'm telling you, I, this flag that Ben, he bought, so we were presented this from, a, uh, from Ben McGuire, who's a, who's a listener to the show, and we're looking all over for a flag, he buys this folded flag at a garage sale, he says. And I'm telling you, I'm convinced that this is a similarly 
this is this this flag has to have come from a military funeral of some sort. I want to ask you because you're a veteran and and you know a lot about the military, a lot about this kind of stuff. Um, the cloth flag, generally, it's not something that in this fashion is folded if it's not something that has been presented or as part of some ceremony or something, correct or not correct? Um, I mean, there is a proper way to ceremonial fold a flag, but it's the yeah. same It's the same for everything, right? Or it's the same for military funerals as for any other, any other time you fold a flag. Like when they bring the flag down at night when they, in a ceremony, they fold, it, they fold it up exactly the same way. So there's only one way to fold in right. a flag, right? So the, the, the way you can tell if it might be from uh, a military funeral is when we did military funeral services, when we did the salute with the guns, with the rifles, you would you would put some of the cartridges from the rifle under the tuck in the flag. So if there's oh. a a cartridge in there, that would might, that might tell you it's from a funeral. Wow, I, I'm gonna, I'm going to check it, but but I, I'm not going to be yeah, it, yeah. Wow. Well, there's nothing in here, but I, I who knows? Okay, who well knows, that's, that's what we did. I mean, when yeah, we did right. funerals. Okay. That's what I they always you. told us to do. So wow, but that's, okay, that's Amazing. the only way we do it. Well, it still is absolutely beautiful. I just was wondering. It was it was curious, and and you're right. There, there, there's, since there's only one way to fold a flag, it wouldn't be unusual to have a flag. But this is one of those cloth. Like not many people have good. that that nice, obviously hand stitched or machine stitched flag that's folded this way so i was just curious about it but thanks that's cool you got a flag that's neat yeah we, we wanted we had, had to have one for the studio and we like the fact that it's folded in this fashion we don't we don't have it like you know kind of flowing or anything but it's still yeah. still there so what's your meeting about you have a meeting in six minutes yeah i hope you know that <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> well you know actually i was supposed to go over to the white house this morning because they're having a ceremony at the white house where you could watch live um the unveiling of the embassy Oh wow! Oh, that is yeah, so they had a, all the high mucky mucks and stuff are going over to the White House, and they're having a big, you know, I'm sure it's in HD, a big screen you can watch this. But it was between doing that and being on with Almond. I mean, come on, you do the math. What's more? Important? Really? So you sacrificed yeah. that, or no? You're really going over there, like right after this, yeah. aren't you? No. Are you? That's true. It's true. Anyway, I do. I, got, I do have a meeting I got to go to. But okay. But but, but gonna, again, so we're going to do this every Monday now. Is that yeah. the deal? Yeah. Every Monday I mean, at eight o'clock. Eight o'clock Eastern time, yes. So it'd be seven o'clock start, Central time. We will start the week with almond at eight o'clock on Monday, right? Just that just remember good. to call the office. Okay, we have. That <laughs> I'll remember now. that. We, we have the I'll number now. That. Yes, not, not, right, so you you always come uh, through loud and clear. But man, uh, we love having you on, and uh, we'll get that new intro for you put together. And and yes, yeah, seven right. o'clock Mondays, right. Jim Carafano, Heritage dot org. All right, brother. Thanks a ton, man. All right, good talking to you. See you. Good talking to you, too. He's awesome, man. Isn't yeah. He? Love, Jim. He just tells it like it is. Yeah. Take a little break here. I'll be back. Phone calls. Take those. Also going to talk about this situation in Brazil. It's like going across the globe. It's what happens when good people have guns. We'll talk about that. And John McCain and a general, this guy's removed from Fox News for statement he makes. We're going to do that. And also take your phone calls if you're at the debate. Your thoughts on that? Fantastic. This is Radio Free Almond, and happy Monday. We're in HD, crystal clear, and our app is coming soon. 
Come on, people. What more do you want? And it's free. Fantastic.
morning, everybody. Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday to you. Good morning this morning. Yeah, okay, enough of that. Hi, everybody. Good morning. This is Radio Free Almond. What are you people doing out there? Watching us in HD, are you? How does that sound? How does that look? How do we look? Amazing. Well, you oh. look great. Oh, no. You look great. <laughs> hey, you know what? You got to tune. <laughs> I don't know what got into me, but once we were in HD, so when we hit the show right off the bat, when we first started the show, yeah. I was like a dancer. I was da- if So when oh, you yeah. see the replay on your thing, I'm embarrassing myself just for you, just for you people on Facebook, because I reserve the most embarrassing moments just for you. I mean, you were me. cutting it up. Oh, dude. Yes, this I was. Studio and, is and, yours. and you could probably hear it on the stream. That's how unbelievable it was. By the way, so we are uh, six days away from, or five even, from the, from the actual app, right? We are days away from a couple big things. Days away from the app. We will definitely be announcing that because that's going to make it awesome as well. So in case you can't watch it on Facebook or you don't want to listen to the web app, that app, you got to download the app. That's one. Number two is we're going to be on the podcast is in the submission process with iTunes and uh, Stitcher for Android users. So everybody will be able to subscribe to the podcast on that. So even if they miss it, it'll go right to their phone. They can listen to it anytime. I mean, basically, we will be accessible. You will be accessible. The Radio Free Almond everywhere. Nowhere to hide, baby. Nowhere Nowhere, And that's the way we like it. And also keep in mind that we are going to have our big rollout of Radio Free Almond and the formulation of a barbecue, okay? This is coming pretty much the first week of June. We have Doug Giles tentatively set up to come into town. We're going to take care of him, everything else, and his uh, uh, Rules for Radical Christians book, and he's going to have a book signing, everything else. They just got to get it nailed down. We are looking for a venue yes. for the barbecue. We'll handle all the other stuff and take care of it, whatever, but um, we would love to have suggestions from some of you. Or if you are a business that can, can accommodate, a well, lot. hundreds of people, okay, yeah. a- and, and a DJ, because Nine Killers agreed to DJ the thing for us with music and everything That's else, great. and we're setting up some beer, t- you know, that kind of thing, but we'll, we'll follow up on that. But, but we would like to have a venue that would accommodate that many people. If you're willing to do that, or if you know somebody who can do it, then let's do it. But Doug's going to be in. We're going to have a big event here at Gaslight uh, that Friday before, right. which is going to be a book signing, that kind of thing, and maybe even a book reading. And then Saturday's going to be the barbecue. So Doug's on board with all that. But I just have to make sure we nail everything down for that. Location's huge. And, and really, ideally, this is going to be somebody who wants to be a sponsor, a an advertiser on the Radio Free Almond Network uh, and has the parking lot and everything because this is going to be, A, a ton of exposure for, yes. for the business, oh, yeah. uh, and we're going to be promoting it like crazy. Uh, bigger audience than any of the other dinosaur networks out there. I guess technically we could have done it at Gaslight, but we don't, it's not big enough here. We don't have a no. big enough parking lot or anything like for this thing. So, so we're going to have a ton of people out there. We could do it. Speaking of Gaslight... Uh, first of all, we're going to do, when Doug comes in, we're going to do the book signing here. It's going to be like a happy hour type of thing. And then we're going to have a, a Doug Giles book reading, Rules mm-hmm. for Radical Christians, which will be great. We'll put that on tape. And then I just have to make sure I get to Doug today and say we're on to go. I think we're already on to go. But uh, we're going <laughs> to... Can we take a call? Sure, why not? Here, let's, let's do it. Yeah, why not? 
Now that you ring into the line. Hello. How you doing? What's going on? Morning. Steve Bitter Good morning. Chris here. Who's this? Steve Bitter Chris. Hey, what's going on, brother man? I love this guy. Uh, and and Steam Fitter Chris used to be calling to the show all the time last time. Oh, oh! Did Steam Fitter Chris Sorry, have a baby? Guys, I'm, I'm, no, no. My our ten uh, month old is he, he coming out with some type of little virus over the weekend. So, oh. mom and I are both are working from home today. So I thought that was Martha. Show, uh, on my. <laughs> I thought that was Martha Raddatz talking about the move for the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, but we'll get to that a little later on. <laughs> Steve Fitter Chris is a guy. Okay, here's here's what I was talking about okay. a while back, Ryan. <laughs> Steve Fitter Chris, who's a good, solid union guy, okay, and who is also happened to be a lifelong Democrat, who listened to the show back at the dinosaur station and has now followed us over here, followed me over here to Radio Free Omen and you know, Chris, you to, you, we, we, this is how a lot of relationships I've had began. You know, where Steve Fitter Chris called in, took me on to task on a few things, but also knows that as a conservative, I'm also happen to be very supportive of trade unions. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of public employee unions, but trade unions, that kind of thing. And we're all interested. It's kind of the way that that, that that time comes when you're actually all on the same page about what you want for this country, which is a strong economy, strong wages, strong jobs, yep. com- competition. And freedom, uh, freedom to, for instance, for a company to engage in a conversation with a union and have a contract and all that kind of stuff. So, man, it's great to hear from you, Bob. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, man, I'm really, uh, really happy for you guys and happy for you, Jamie, to uh, to have a little bit more freedom than you had uh, at the other station. And uh, appreciate your support. And again, uh, fighting right to work and talking to the guys uh, in Jeff City uh, about how it will damage. I know I know the reason they're doing it. You know, public trade union. I mean, uh, public unions and civil unions. I get it. You know, they 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 have a lot of. They use union as a crutch. And uh, I also teach our apprenticeship program, and uh, I've been teaching for ten years now, part time. <clears throat> and I tell my apprentices, "Hey guys and gals, we take union. Take this knowledge, this five year apprenticeship program, and take that knowledge and craftsmanship and put it on your back." Give them eight hours work for eight hours pay. We're a business. We have to show value. And we do that with training and education. And I believe right to work will kill that. I know what they're going after, but if you look at all of the right to work states, it kills apprenticeship programs. But right now, with a labor shortage, we don't need that. We need good, qualified men and women. And we, as you know, Jamie, uh, the UA, the United Association of Plumbers, Pipe Fitters, Steam Fitters, Sprinkler Fitters, Welders, HVAC Techs, we employ more. Uh, military personnel when they come back we have the uh helmets to hard hat program and we we spend as an organization 300 million dollars a year across the united states canada uh, ireland and australia so if we were a university we'd be the largest university in the world and i have taken advantage of that went back and got my bachelor's degree i'm a certified welding inspector so i've taken it to the limits if you will i wish i had a song to play in the background right now but, uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, I you know, love what it, we do. I'm a, I'm a project manager for a large industrial construction company here in St. Louis, and I love it. I loved it when I was welding, and I love it now. Yeah, man. Well, you know what? Here's the deal, too. Uh, the reason why, and you, met, you heard Chris mention a labor shortage. Right. The reason why there's a labor shortage is because both parties, Democrat and Republican, gave up manufacturing for dead. They thought, you know what? And so, therefore, 
all these apprenticeship programs, the tech schools, everybody else, uh, people didn't see a future because there wasn't any kind of manufacturing or to, to any great level going on. And now with some of the, 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 the tweaking of the trade deals and some of these kinds of things in a growing economy, we're back. I mean, and, and we're seeing a resurgence of manufacturing. But now, though, the double-edged sword is there's not enough labor to go right. around yet. But that's growing because you guys are really bit, being a big part of the apprenticeship programs, everything else. But it remains that, that what happened is uh, that, that our politicians gave you guys up for dead. And that's no longer the case, thankfully, at least for some people. Yeah, and and uh, I, I married ten years younger. My first wife passed away, which is a whole different conversation. But anyway, I married ten years younger. Uh, she's helped me raise my uh, my son uh, since he was seven. But anyway, she went to college, great white collared, uh, master's degree in accounting. She worked for the IRS. Don't hate her for that. Um, <laughs> she she's a wonderful mom, and she's given me. Uh, we had two little ones, Olivia and Grayson, and in Remington is twenty one and in college. But anyway. When I was meeting some of her uh, college uh, people she Potential went to school with, and wedding, what have you, they'd ask me what I do. And I'd say, well, I'm a union steam fitter. Well, the problem is the International Union has done a terrible job of selling actually what we do. They don't understand that civilization as we know it, and humbly I say this, is brought to every one of us by labor. You know, your home, HVAC, the roads, power plants, clean water, dirty water leaving your home. Everything we know is brought to us by labor, yet we still take a pounding. And uh, I, I try to be a little bit more technical than my union brothers because they're more screaming and hollering, and <laughs> they don't yeah, have yeah. a whole lot of uh, cooth about them, if you will. They're 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 very passionate, but you have to you have to be a little bit more refined when you discuss these matters. Well, let me ask you this though, technically, real quickly, because I'm, I'm sound like a dope here, but what's the difference between a steam fitter? And a pipe fitter, like what? What is a steam so back fitter? In, back in back in the late 1800s, 1887 is when the UA uh, gave birth, if you will. The steam fitters uh, were called the Knights of Labor. So the UA were just plumbers, because as you guys know, late in the late 1800s, uh, gray water leaving cities was a huge problem. Disease was rampant. So the plumbers, actually, you know, Chicago, if you will, they saved the human race up there because it was just disease ridden and infectious. But so the plumbers started growing and the steam fitters said, no, we'll stay, we'll stay steam fitters, nights of labor. Well, the UA, they, you know, they doubled in size in a year and the steam fitters kind of stayed stagnant, if you will. And, uh, they finally merged. So that's the difference. And it was okay. pipe fitters. The UA started UA plumbers and pipe fitters. And then the steam fitters, a lot of them, like my local, East St. Louis, we have a large local number, local 439, and that's because of the, the original steam fitting locals. Oh, I got you. Okay. Now I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> who, what's, who, who is that? What's the name again? What's the baby's name? Grayson Gregory G. Aww. Triple G. <laughs> Love it, buddy. All right. Yeah, it's Chris G. Hey, guys. Steam have, fitter, a Chris. Great, have a great hey, day. And, Jamie, I, I look forward to, uh, to getting with you and taking you fishing, brother. Absolutely, man. Oh, by, by the way, how's our friend bring, doing? She bring you Ryan. brought her. Okay, I definitely will, man. He's, you have to bait my hook. He's been trying. He's been trying to. He's been trying no, to get me all, out. It's all artificial lures. We're catching. Oh well, there we go. <laughs> uh, so, what how's you say, our? Jamie, what uh, remember our friend? I can't remember her name, but she was a big. Uh, she was she's, another. She's in, the, she's in the local. Yeah, she's in the local. She's doing well. Um, Good. Again, I'm not as quite as. I'm a Democrat. 
but I'm a conservative Democrat. I'm not as liberal as some of the others. I have given yeah. Trump uh, praise for the things that he's done to help the U.S. economy. Just some of the stuff he says, I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, you're doing pretty good. Just shut up with the tweet. <laughs> All right, man. I know, I know, but hey, that's that's that. You <laughs> he's know, a you, smart you take man. the businessman. I get it, but you yeah. don't have to use all the adjectives when you're trying to explain and describe yourself. Good lord! You don't you don't you don't hear that on a job site. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> somebody... can, you, are, can you imagine a testosterone-driven <laughs> business like being a welder, pipe fitter? There's no egos whatsoever. On the job site. Come on. I know, buddy. Hey, listen, it's great to hear from you. Congratulations on your beautiful family, buddy, and, and appreciate you listening to the show. Thanks for following me around. You bet. And we'll get that hey, fish. The other thing is, too, I'll, yeah. I'll get back with Ryan, uh, and we have a very large facility down in Soulard, the business I work for. So that may be oh, something that we'd cool. be willing to do is host you guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we for, listen. For we, your event. Been, yeah, because Chris always thinks I'm BSing him when I talk about coming down and seeing things. Yeah. Doing it. But but I, I oftentimes no, well, this, I, is, this is this is the company. So yeah, uh, I'm part of business business development. I'm part of project management, and uh, you know it's a it's a big thing for us to be able to on to be on radio. So it's advertising. So oh yeah, it's something that we could absolutely discuss. All right, hey, no, no problem, and I'm sure Ryan, I'll, yeah. I'll make sure I, I connect with you because we're Facebook friends, Chris G and I. So we'll cool. go ahead and uh, I'll get you hooked up with them. And, and buddy, thanks so much for and calling into the show, thank man. You saying my last name right too, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Oh, oh, I, but you know, Ryan, that's another example of. Here's the deal: as conservatives, we. Off, we we try to tell people that we're positive people, we're we're, we're action oriented individuals, and where we can find common ground with people who do not agree with us on other things, then we do. And I've always been, you know, like for instance, my show back in the dinosaur days, right, was was one that I, I happened to be a. I happen to not be one of these reflexive anti-union guys. Never right. have been. Uh, and, and there are a lot of people out there who are as concerned about our economy as we are as conservatives. And just to simply, there are a lot of people who just simply hate trade unions. Now, they, well, oftentimes is, it's because they confuse them with public employee unions, right. basically that have just been been running the table with these pension plans, everything else, and then there's no. And that's why when Governor Scott Walker in Wisconsin went after public employee unions, I couldn't figure out why some of the labor unions were supporting the public employees because they, the, the public employee unions were giving. And, and, yep. and by the way, some of you are in public employee public employee unions. I'm not trying to bash you. I'm not trying to say you're a criminal or whatever. What I'm saying is, though, look at what happened in Illinois with their pension plans. The reason why yeah. Illinois is such, has had such a problem, the same thing they do in Wisconsin, is because the taxpayer really was never at the table when they negotiated these deals. So you have a politician who is cutting a deal with a public employee union at the same time, but the union is funding the campaigns of the politicians, so, so while you'd say, well, yeah, the taxpayer was represented because the politician is the one who represents the taxpayers. No, they don't. They represent themselves. Uh, and th th they will do anything. And that's why you have these ridiculously large pension plans right. that, that are suffocating governments the way they were doing in Wisconsin before Scott Walker came along and the way they're doing in Illinois right now. That's the one reason why Illinois is having such a problem is because Republicans and Democrats cut these deals with these public employee unions that has now saddled the government with pension plans they can't afford. 
and, and, and I do understand the people who have the pension plans uh, say, hey, that's our money. We deserve it. We paid into it. We, blah, 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 blah. we cut. They, they made a deal sure. with us. That's, I get that. But there's got to be some way to grandfather this stuff out and stop pulling this stuff because the taxpayer has been screwed by these things. But everybody conflates the public employees with the trade unions. And I, I have no doubt that, you know, back in the day, there are trade unions out there, steam fitters, pipe fitters, who were like, man, the UAW really gave us a bad name because of the United Auto Workers. Right. Because of all that stuff yeah. that went on. So, so all that stuff is happening. But to me, uh, I, I think that if we are pro-freedom as conservatives, then we ought to be pro-freedom for companies to engage in contracts right. with, public, with, 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 with trade unions. Because if they're both benefiting, then let them go. Let them have, the, have, their, have their deal. Does it drive up costs? Maybe to a certain degree. But the reality is if you're going to bring manufacturing back and you're going to bring booming businesses right. back, uh, to me, you have to be able to accept legitimate back and forth between companies and unions. That's just the way it is. I will take issue with them on the right to work. I, I you know, and, and a lot of people were talking uh, on, on Facebook about the right to work issue. And, and now I will say, I think, if I'm not mistaken, almost every potential Senate uh, on the Republican side are all for right to work, if I'm not mistaken. Well, see, here's the thing. I've never been, I've never been convinced right to work works, but I've never been convinced it doesn't work. Right. And I think, I think that there are trade union people out there who I think are overstating the negative impact of oh, right to no work. No doubt. And I also think there are some politicians out there who are overstating the positive impact of right to work. So we don't even have the numbers right now. We do know that the problem we found ourselves in is we are surrounded by right to work states. Yes, uh, and, and, and or uh, people who, and so the competition factor there is significant, and there are businesses that are that we are losing because mm-hmm. of that. Now, does that mean you have to pass it, do it, whatever? Yeah, I get it. Uh, but but the but the general problem is that we've been kind of like buttonholed into this thing. To me, right to work, I guess, is is an important issue. But in the end, I, I haven't seen evidence from either side right. th- about the negative impact or the positive ones yet. Eventually, we'll see. We'll see how it goes and see what happens. But uh, I think at some point, though, having people who have to have to be part of a union doesn't seem very freedom-oriented Free to me, yeah. I mean, if you have to be part of one. And I think there's a, there's a way to, 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 to do this, because I don't think unions are really going to be as negatively impacted th- that they uh, the way they think they are from right to work, uh, and so I think some of the positive aspects of it uh, might outweigh some of the negative aspects of it. But I don't think either way I've seen evidence one way or the other that it's, that it's a great thing or a horrible thing. But we'll see because I mean it's brand new in Missouri and they're trying to overturn yeah. it now and everything else. But we'll we'll see how how that goes. But uh, Chris G's baby, yeah. I, I, there's a reason why I said the baby sounded like Martha Raddatz. The implications of moving that embassy to Jerusalem. You know, Dan, just as you said and just as Ian said, you could certainly see more protests across the region. And, and, and I think from my perspective, having covered this region for so long and people were so hopeful at certain points during history that there might be some sort of peace deal, this just has to make it nearly impossible. And the Oscar goes to Chief... News Bureau correspondent Martha Raddatz for her whiny, crybaby 
this analysis of the move of the embassy uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And she's the one who cried when uh, President Trump won the election. She's out there going, ah! and, and by the way, she is a news potential national security. Right? She's, she's, she's a reporter. She's not a commentator. Right. You want, you want to hear the other reporter from ABC? People are bracing to see what the impact of this move is going to be. Jerusalem is a major flashpoint. In- uh, by the way, when he says people are bracing to see what the impact of this move is going to be, he's not bracing to see it because he already knows what the impact will be. <laughs> Listen to him. Issue ...with both sides laying claim to parts or even all of it. So while almost what every other country in the world tried to stay on the fence and keep its embassies in Tel Aviv, America is now seen by many across this region to be siding firmly with Israel, killing any prospect of peace. Yeah, so... That's their line, is that because we're doing this and we're not acting like the Euro trash, we are killing all the prospects for peace, which is ridiculous. It's the same thing all these globalist reporters try to lay on us every single time when it comes to uh, Middle Eastern affairs or whatever is, you know what? It's why Obama, every time, every time Israel would stand up for itself, Obama would be out there going, now calm down, calm down, don't be so aggressive, blah, blah, blah. And, and then meanwhile, they're being slaughtered at, at every cafe in, in, in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv or whatever, and they're having to put up with it. But the news media and their response to this whole thing is as if it's a complete catastrophe. Listen to this guy. He's even going to use the Arabic word for catastrophe. Now, though the reaction was muted in December when President Trump announced his intention to move the embassy to Jerusalem, it could be very different this time round when his daughter Ivanka and son-in-law and advisor Jared Kushner attend the official opening this week. And here's why. It's 70 years since the creation of the State of Israel. But for Palestinians is what they call the Nakba, catastrophe in Arabic. Yeah, otherwise known as just a catastrophe. Why do you have to use the Arabic word Word for catastrophe. Unless, of course, you just kind of want to embellish your oh, whole story. Yeah. It's otherwise known as <laughs> just use the English word catastrophe. Why do you have to like tell us what the Arabs call it in Arabic? You know what I mean? If you weren't already on the side, these guys are so obviously anti-Israel, and and because of the United States for once is finally delivering on a promise because President Trump, you know, said this a while back that he was going to do this. And then every politician out there, Republican and Democrat, was like, no, we usually just tell the Jewish Americans that we don't really actually do it. (laughs) People like John McCain. By the way, you know the new rule, right? You must not speak ill of John oh, McCain. Oh, I know. You, so, so oh, just yeah. so you know, and every time oh, yeah. you talk about John McCain, yep. you must preface it with the fact that he's an American hero yep. and that he was this and he was that. Okay, I, so you know the rule, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so, just so you know, I didn't yeah. want you to like go yeah. off the cough. Oh or yeah, because you'll get it. Must be prefaced with he's an American hero. Uh-huh. Anything you say about Saint John McCain must always be prefaced with that because John McCain is dying of cancer. Now, here's the deal. I get it. You need to be respectful. But John McCain is out there on his deathbed taking shots at people, disinviting Trump to his funeral, and and doing all this kind of stuff. It's like, dude, okay, I get it. You have an opinion about this. Throwing Sarah Palin under the bus. And, you know, I'm sorry, but at some point it becomes insufferable. I don't care whether you're on your deathbed or not. Agreed. At some point, you know what? Come on, dude. Really? I mean, just, and, and to me, it's 
to a certain degree, I hate to use this word because I know John McCain is an American hero. It seems cowardly to me totally. to, 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 take, to, to try to get your retribution from your deathbed and, and settle all your scores from your deathbed. To me, there's something really wrong with that, all right? Now, at the same time, there's something kind of wrong with this dude, this general, who, Tom McInerney who was on Fox News, and this is how, how it went down here. He, he was talking about McCain. But you talked and, about Senator John McCain uh, having personal experience. He was tortured in a Vietnamese prisoner of war camp uh, in Vietnam. Uh, he's been an outspoken crystal, uh, critic of Haspel. I want you to take a listen to a military commentator, retired Air Force General Thomas uh, McInerney, uh, talking about John McCain and how torture works on Fox Business Channel. The fact is, is John McCain, it worked on John. That's why they call him Songbird John. Okay, first of all, uh, and that like to me, that's going too far the other other way. You think so? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, because because first of all, it really isn't a proven fact that John McCain like Spilled. dropped the dime right. on people because he was tortured. Right. And, and so so you got to kind of be precise when you're dealing with this kind of stuff and calling him Songbird John. <laughs> that's like, dude, really? I mean, I wouldn't like like again. I think McCain is coddled. I think he's annoying. I think he's a blowhard. I think he's a turncoat. I think he is all about John McCain. And I thought he was a horrible candidate for president in 2008. And the fact that he threw Sarah Palin under the bus is ridiculous, too, because she's the only reason he wasn't just the, the floor just wasn't wiped with him in 2008. That's just the truth. It's true. But he also wasn't a guy who... I've heard him now being compared to the new Benedict Arnold. Just, I'm just saying. So Charles Payne, meanwhile, uh, this was said on Fox Business Channel. So Charles Payne goes on there because Charles Payne had to apologize because he didn't catch it, he said. Because you know, when McInerney said that, he wasn't challenged at all on describing John McCain as Songbird McCain, right? Okay. So he wasn't challenged. But listen, and, and again, listen to Charles Payne's excuse, though. On a show that I was hosting, Lieutenant General Thomas McInerney made a false and derogatory statement about Senator John McCain's actions when he was a prisoner of war. Regrettably, I did not hear the comments at the time. I was receiving instructions in my ear at that moment from producers. Oh, gosh. That's, comp- I'm sorry. I, I like Charles Payne. But how much, dude? Really? You just weren't listening. <laughs> and he and he and he blamed it on producers in his ear. Now, there's a possibility that that is true. I don't know what they would have been saying to him in his ear. But if that's the case, is that what's going on on Fox Business Channel? Where uh, apparently, whenever I'm seeing an interview, somebody's talking in the ear of the anchor, yeah. so the anchor's not hearing the interview. To me, that kind of seemed. That's lame. It's kind of lame. That's lame. Kind of lame. Yeah. Now, throwing your people under the bus like that, like blaming it on producers, (laughs) I don't know, man. Uh, And and maybe it was happening, but this whole thing seems to be kind of. So the next time something happens and you're interviewing somebody, you can just blame it on me. Just say, I'm sorry, Ryan. Ryan Ryan was talking in my ear when you used that racist uh, (laughs) comment, when you said that racist (laughs) comment. All right, so again, thank you all, by the way, for coming out to the debate on Friday. 
It was great. And America First Missouri, you guys did a fantastic job. Diane Neff and Ben Murphy and Annette Reed and Renee Artman, you guys put together a great show. And you know what? Let me tell you something, Ryan. There were upwards of 400 people there. And with the exception of a couple people who clearly had to leave, it was a Friday night, for three hours, everybody stayed there. That's amazing. And it, it, it was incredible. And it was a, uh, other than having to get through the annoying Ed Martin, who <laughs> acted like a 10-year-old most of the night, and then also insinuated somehow he ought to be running for Senate. Every five minutes, he's like, maybe I ought to run for Senate. Maybe I ought to. It's like, dude, shut up. All right? So anyway, but the exception of, of Martin, uh, it, was a, it was a great event, and, and people were just you know, riveted by the five different distinct personalities. Holly wasn't there, but you had Tony Minetti, you know, who, you know, Tony Minetti. He's yep. like, he's, he's got that distinctive Italian, yeah. every man kind of personality. Love the guy personally, but they all had uh, distinctive kind of things to love about them. Austin Peterson is your quintessential, not your quintessential politician, but he's a, he's a very serious guy. Has a sense of humor too, but he's really hungry for the Senate. Okay, and and and, and he and he and he talks a good game, uh, speaks very firmly, and I and I love the fact that he's freedom minded. Everything else, a lot of you though, and and I didn't get a chance to ask him this. And if I were actually asking questions in the debate, I would have brought it up, which is why we're going to have to get Austin on. I'll get I'll get a hold of Heather and see if she, he can come on with me, and, and ask him about these tweets. From the past, yeah, I have to know where where he where he described described Trump supporters as cowards at one point. Now, keep in mind, he was running on the libertarian ticket during this race. There were a lot of things said about Trump supporters about Trump, and some of those things that were said were said by people that we have since looked the other way on. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and 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 harbor ill will towards Ted Cruz because of what they said back in the day. Now, there are some people who work for Cruz who were kind of insufferable individuals, like Amanda Carpenter and some right. of those folks. But for the most part, I would never hold Ted Cruz accountable for the way he might have... Like, he said some pretty uh, savage things about Trump supporters, too. But sometimes I wonder, is it the heat of the battle? Uh, what is it about what was going on there? And Peterson was not a fan of President Trump. And there are a lot of people who were not fans of President Trump. I think you have explaining to do when you go after Trump supporters. Because Hillary Clinton, keep in mind, when she called Trump supporters deplorable, that was the end of Hillary Clinton. Well, and if you think about it, there was a lot of talking heads, a lot of news talk conservative news talk uh, hosts that ran an all-out campaign against Trump and Trump supporters. They were, uh, they, they, he, they basically belittled Trump supporters for the entire campaign and lost massive audience right, share. Right, and, and, and I do believe, based on Austin Peterson's track record, that he does support many of President Trump's policies. I don't support uh, the some of the things that Jeff Sessions is doing as it regards to uh, like things like search and seizure and asset forfeiture and those kinds of things. I'm not a fan of that at all. And and as a conservative, I I can defend uh, not being a fan of that. So we had Austin Peterson. We'll we'll have him on at some yeah. point. And and you had concerns about the idea that he was not a Christian or that he's agnostic or whatever. So some people yeah. have concerns about that. 
I get it. There are a lot of people in our history who have not been devout Christians that have been good leaders. So I'm not worried about that. Then you had then you had um, Cortland Sykes, who I think actually for a lot of people made an impact on them. It was the first time they'd ever actually seen him in any kind of open venue. He was on the show with us Friday. He came in. And he came in. Yeah. And, and and then he did a pretty good job in this debate. I was pretty impressed with him holding his own. And, and you know, he's a strong guy. He's got a great personality. And so there are a lot of people who are going, wow, I didn't even know he was around. Because all I've been hearing about is Tony Minetti and Austin Peterson. Then you had Peter Pfeiffer, who I called Ben. <laughs> people think that's hilarious, <laughs> by the way. I, I, was, I was trying to figure out, like, where in the hell did I get... And, and to tell you the truth... Before the event, I saw him, met him in person, called him Ben. How embarrassing. Well, I mean, it wasn't embarrassing at the time because I didn't know he wasn't Ben. How can I be embarrassed when I don't know how to be embarrassed? Boy, it's like like walking around with your zipper down. You don't know to be embarrassed during it. It's only after you get home. Well, if you're a person like me who always walks around with a zipper down... (laughs) And a zipper up actually is more embarrassing. Then I don't know that it's not right because I, I I didn't even I didn't even know you at some point that you need a zip a zipper. That open zipper was the way to walk around. But anyway, so I called him uh, Ben, <laughs> and we, he made light of that. Peter Pfeiffer. So it was kind of like a it was a groovy evening on that yeah. on that level. And then you had uh, Christy Nichols, who I had never met before. We need to have her on the show Definitely. too. Who. I mean, all these people were pretty good. I mean, it was, but so I thought it was a great evening. I thought it was desperately sad that the, that the none, not what, now, unless I'm missing something, if you people out there saw a news report about this, please let me know because I'm telling you, I scoured the earth. There was not one news report. I knew there wasn't any reporter there, uh, there, there wasn't a uh, TV station there nobody from the post dispatch like what else do they have to do i realize they're working up the 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 the, uh the crime page you know or or they're or they're putting together their uh mugshot feature have you ever seen that on on oh yeah by the way oh yeah Uh, this month's mugshot it's like really what a piece of trash you are it's a trash organization and and they are basically prostitutes for claire mccaskill so they don't want anything to do with this whole realm here and, and actually reporting to people real news or anything like that. And so they weren't even there. How are you, how are you the only major daily in St. Louis and you don't show up to cover a debate with five of the six U.S. Senate candidates on the Republican side? I'm, how do you defend that? I'm fully convinced they'd have been there if Holly was there. Maybe so, but but that's even sadder because yeah. at that point, then they're dictating through just simply their own uh, lack of commitment. They're dictating who our nominee is going to be, and, and, and to me, that tells you something too. That tells you because whenever whenever the Democrats like a Republican, whenever the left mm-hmm. wing likes a Republican, you need to turn around and run the other way because the, what they want is that person to face Claire McCaskill because they know that's the person who's the weakest. So why would you give coverage to five, well, relatively strong, some are stronger than the other, but but five candidates? Why would you want to open up the, the, the field right. when you can narrow it so that you can basically just kind of mess with this one guy? Who, by the way, Josh Hawley, 
I haven't seen any indicators to me that he can beat Claire McCaskill any more than anybody else right. can. In fact, they, they put generic polls up there showing that you, you can have a Republican who's, who's a, a monkey who, who will beat her. I mean, so this idea that Josh Hawley is the front runner for whatever reason is only – and be wary, people, because uh, because as Ryan points out, yeah, if, if Hawley were there, they'd be there. Well, that's an indication that Hawley's their guy. Oh, yeah. Hawley's their oh, Republican. Yeah. And that ought to just put up totally – total – Red flares for you and, and red flags for you because at that point, now you've had the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Hawley's their guy, and that's the way they want it. That's why they didn't cover anything. Unbelievable, man. I just can't believe people didn't cover that debate. It was great. I was, I was at least expecting they would watch a live feed and write a report up and act like they were there. I mean, just something, you know, put some low-level intern on writing a story on it, but nothing. Yeah. You'd think you think you, some some slob post-dispatch reporter could just sit in his living room and watch the thing. They'd sit in a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we have the entire debate up for you. And keep in mind, I got it from Austin Peterson's campaign. Courtney Sykes was there as well. But just so happens, I got the tape from Austin Peterson's campaign. That does not mean that I endorse Austin Peterson. It just means right. that I found the tape of the entire debate. I put it up on our Facebook page. Boom, shakalaka, boom. Where's Jimmy Hoff, the gateway okay. pundit? Bring him Let's in. Let's check him out. I kind of like the sound of that Skype. I do. It sounds very really space age to me. You have reached a number that has been. Did I? I may have dialed there wrong. <laughs> See, this is very. This is, this you is can blame be, it on me. This is one of those things that we're going to have to get um, <laughs> get together. I think on uh, on uh, on this eventually. One day. By the way, as I said before, too. Uh, can we put the video? I guess we should put it up on Facebook because it's silent video. But we have, I have this really cool video of what happens when a good person with a gun takes action. Oh. And this is an off duty female police officer who just blasted this robber. Who, by the way, you're watching this video and it's a bunch of kids and everything else. Some guy walks up with a gun. This woman pulls out a gun. Good morning, this is Jim. Good morning, this morning, uh, Jim Hoff. How are you, buddy? Great. How's it going, Jamie? It's going great. I was just telling this story about this uh, shooting, uh, this off-duty police officer in Brazil who popped this guy. He walks up with a gun in a group of people, all these little kids standing around. He walks up, uh, I guess attempting to rob somebody. This woman pulls out a gun, pops him in the chest, and boom, he's on the ground. And that's what happens when a good person with a gun takes over, and it worked. Thank you. Great stuff. We'll follow up on that. But meanwhile, Jimmy, the debate on Friday was, man, what a, what a good chance to see everybody, except Josh Hawley, of course. We are just explaining that it appears that uh, for the Post-Dispatch and other people, Josh Hawley is the – they've come to this foregone conclusion that he is the nominee. What do you think about what's going on with that? Uh, well, he certainly is getting a lot of press, and he does have, uh, it looks like, the endorsement from the president. But um, I think there's a lot of uh, people from Missouri who still haven't made up their mind yet. And I think uh, that there's a lot of people in Missouri and conservatives who uh, still have a bit of cons- concern that uh, Josh will, uh, you know, be uh, someone who listens to the people, uh, someone, uh, and, and not just another squish uh, to go into the Senate. So, 
I think Josh still has to prove himself to Missouri. I do, too. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, and this might not be Josh's fault, but the fact of the matter is he's become the de facto nominee. And a lot of people, especially people listening to Radio Free Almond and looking at the thegatewaypundit.com, they don't want to be told who their nominee is. They, they, wanna, they, wanna, they don't want to be told by the media or the Republican Party or anybody else, and maybe even Donald Trump, who their nominee is. A lot of people are very, very skeptical of this whole thing. And they're on top of things and not happy that he's being basically shoved down their throat. But not to say Josh Hawley's a bad guy. What I am saying, though, is that he may or may not be enjoying the fact that he's they've they've gone from zero to 60 and he's the nominee. But the fact of the matter is he does have, as you point out, uh, a lot to prove. Now, also keep in mind, finding a member of the news media at Friday's debate is almost as hard as finding a Democrat (laughs) at the official opening of the brand-new embassy there in Jerusalem today. Is there any <laughs> Democrat there? You know, uh, not a single Democrat signed up to attend this ceremony today in Jerusalem, which is just shameful. Um, there are at least four Republican senators who, who showed up. Uh, Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham are two of them. Um, and, and I was just reading this article on Breitbart, and I just threw a post up on the Gateway Pundit on this, too. But I... Uh, I guess what happened was this was open to all senators and, and uh, lawmakers in Congress to if they wanted to attend. And unfortunately, no Democrat signed up. The, the only Democrat you can spot is <clears throat> Joe Lieberman, who, of course, was the uh, vice presidential nominee back in 2004, I think. Uh, anyway, and, and then he kind of got pushed outside the party. Uh, he lost his... Uh, his primary and had to run as an independent his last term. Um, and, you know, Democrats you know, certainly despise him. So uh, he's the only one that I see in the audience today. Yeah. Also on your site, a very interesting story that I can see here at the top now, uh, the Michael Avenatti files. And you are uh, linking to a story and you're reporting it as well showing that this guy got an $8 million windfall in February when he yeah. became Stormy Daniels' lawyer. Well, how did that happen, do you this, think? This, this is a huge story. No one else in the country has this up. But I'm speaking with uh, this attorney friend of mine, Robert Barnes, out in California. He sent me the documents. And what people don't realize is, and this is really big, Jamie, this Avenetti guy who came out of nowhere – and all of a sudden he's on the, the television 108 times in the past month. Um, he was in serious bankruptcy. He, he had a coffee company that we, we, you may have heard about that went bankrupt. He also had a law firm that was going through bankruptcy. We have the court documents. No one else has reported this. In December of 2017, just a few months ago, he declared that he only had 400000 in assets. So we put that document up, and then 120 days later, when Stormy came around, right, right, when he he gets this new client, Stormy Daniels, he suddenly declares in these bankruptcy papers that he paid off eight million dollars in 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 debt that he had to pay. Wow! So of course, our story then is saying, where did this money come from? He insists, and I put this in the report too. His own words is, this is all from a crowdsource. You know, we're, we're getting, this is how we're getting paid. There's been no other money. 
But we know now that he's not being honest because the court documents that were filed show something completely different. Wow. That is crazy. So where do we think this money, where, where, where do we suspect the money might be coming from? And, and who, who could this possibly be? Would, he be? would these be the same people who are, uh, at, at least kind of locally, the ones behind the Greitens affair deal? Uh, because there's a lot of money apparently changing hands there. So is this another one of those examples where somebody's basically funding a takedown or t- attempting to? Oh, yeah. I, it, it certainly looks that way. And uh, we have some more documents we're going to put up in the next couple days. But um, I, this guy was in serious trouble. It doesn't make sense that you would hire somebody like this to be your spokesman. But he's, he has a case, and Robert Barnes tells me, he has this case that basically you know, anybody would throw it out of court because there is no case with Stormy and Trump. The only case is that she broke the, the agreement, and uh, that puts her in the wrong. So uh, he's thinking that this was completely a setup. And isn't it interesting that last week this Avenetti uh, disclosed, released, leaked these documents, uh, these bank records from from Trump's attorney uh, Michael Cohen, which, by the way, there was n- there's no wrongdoing there as far as we see, right? But this yeah, Avenetti no. gets these documents within a month of Cohen's office getting raided. So it's like, oh, well, gee, where did those come from? Of course, he had to come from uh, somebody who had access to these documents, and that would have been the Mueller investigation. So we believe this is all coordinated, and we have some links to some other groups, but we're going to put some more documents out later today. But this is a this is a huge story. Of course, the media isn't going to cover this. You know, no, they're not just not going to do it. But uh, here, here he here he has eight million dollars. Uh, in in his pocket after he hires Stormy Daniels, that looks a little fishy. Uh, no doubt about it. Also, and finally, you have a bit about one of my favorite guys, Michael Savage, who is conjecturing that Giuliani was the one who, behind the scenes, might have taken down this Schneiderman or Schneiderman character, whatever it is, yeah. uh, to, just to show Mueller that it can be done. What is that about? Well, you know, Rudy's going to – it looks like Rudy's going to play Smash Mouth. And yeah. uh, Trump's old lawyer, this uh, – I forget his Ty Cobb. Um, yeah. he, he was uh, more of a gentleman. He thought he'd play ball with Mueller. He thought if they were nice, and Mueller would be nice. And, Jamie, uh, certainly you know and I know that you can't play uh, nice with some, some of these characters um, because it, 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 will never, it will never help you. So they got rid of this Ty Cobb. Now they have Julie Giuliani. And then uh, within a couple of weeks, we see the Schneiderman character get outed and uh, gone. So uh, this certainly could have been Rudy or Donald Trump, who we saw tweet about this guy back in 2013. It could have been uh, somebody in the Trump side who maybe outed this to uh, Ronan Farrell, the reporter who released this big story. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Well, Jimmy Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, thegatewaypundit.com. There's all kinds of stuff on that site that you're just not going to see anywhere else. And it doesn't matter where, even even in other conservative media, they don't cover this kind of stuff. So, uh, as always, we appreciate you joining us uh, on Mondays, buddy. And so, uh, gatewaypundit.com is where you're going to find him. Jimmy, thanks a ton, man. Thanks, Jamie. Okay, buddy. You know, speaking of the whole Mueller investigation, you know, there's a chance 
that, well, first of all, Mueller's team has said, we're not going to give you the written questions. Right. And at this point, then, there's a question as to whether or not, then, are, is, is President Trump going to be subpoenaed? And at that point, people are saying, okay, so what's he going to do then? Well, here's the deal. Trump, if he's subpoenaed, ought to tell Mueller to go pound sand. Yeah, I agree. Because first of all, it's not an admission of guilt. This is not Nixonian because the Nixon thing and those subpoenas and all those things happened as a result of Nixon's activities prior to being president. Right. During the campaign. Had nothing to do with his activities as president. This, however... If 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 we if we're told what we're told is true about them investigating the firing of Comey and all those kinds of things, by the way, uh, which by the way is absolutely defensible under Article Two, uh, and and so for the president to have fired Comey, but at this point though, this is about activities while he's president. So you have the specter of a an executive branch office, essentially, and that is a special counsel, basically, uh, which which he oversees the Justice Department. Sure. A- and now they are subpoenaing the guy who oversees them. That's not defensible no. at this point. That's that's something that Trump ought to just say, I- I'm, I'm calling my card here uh, as uh, the chief executive. I'm calling my card here under Article 2, and I'm not complying with anything remotely related to your subpoena, and they ought to take it to the Supreme Court. It's starting to just get, I mean, how long has this been going on? I mean, you know, to what point, uh, this is all the news media talks about. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's just, it's like, if no other news is going on, eh, they just have a board. Go back to Stormy Daniels. Yep. Or Mueller, or Russia collusion. Where'd that go, by the way? Oh, Jake Tapper still likes that story. I have an idea for Sarah Huckabee Sanders and the rest of her crew there in the White House uh, briefing room. Okay. I think they ought to do what they did in Venezuela and spray the I mean... Fire hoses work. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'll put that up. Now, keep in mind, I'm not defending fire hoses back during the civil rights movement. So if you're thinking you're going to somehow translate this to me supporting fire hoses on civil rights protesters, you're out of your tree. But I do support this kind of fire hosing. That's hilarious. Watching you see those people go there, fly? <laughs> That's some. I need. I need that. I need them to power wash my gutters while they're when they're done with that. Hilarious. If you don't mind. Yeah. By the way, I'm looking for some. I'm. I'm not kidding you. I'm looking for somebody. I've got. I've got. Well, I have a neighbor who has some molten lava coming out of his stupid sewer, and it <laughs> stained my brick gutters. I have these beautiful brick gutters, and it's like got all this like wood this 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 muddy silt on my gutters and i have yet to find a way to get that off of the gutters so if you know somebody people facebook message me or something yeah. and let me know if you know anybody with some kind of solution because i can't get the police from venezuela over here <laughs> to spray them which i really really <laughs> would, would want rip your gut those, those things are gonna <laughs> rip your gutters right out of the house i hate to, i hope those people are okay i don't know if it, they are it, <laughs> I don't either. 
But it's certainly worth another look, because I got to tell you, here's one guy I know is not okay, and this is the dude who is, I, I guess we'll put, can we put this on Facebook too? Definitely. Uh, this is the off-duty female police officer, and this is, again, what happens, and this is making the rounds everywhere. Are they showing, like, when you saw it at the Daily, are they showing the video on oh, TV? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, because too oftentimes, they think things are too graphic oh, to show yeah. on TV. When the reality is, this, of all things, ought to be shown on TV to show what happens when a good person with a gun takes action. And this was in front of a kindergarten class in a neighborhood in Brazil. And this guy basically comes out of nowhere with a gun, points at these people, presumably parents that are picking up their kids. And then this woman, this off-duty police officer, just pulls out a pistol and pops the guy right in the chest, and he's down. She's saved how many lives? Oh, I don't yeah. know at that point, but there are little kids around there. By the way, just to your point, the liberal media has already commented on this. Oh. And they're not happy with this because they said, and I, I kid you not, I've been watching the comment flow on this, that he probably would have never shot of course. the gun. Yeah. And now you have somebody who has died all because all that would have happened was he would have just taken a purse instead. Right. Now you, I'm serious. So liberal media is like, why didn't you just let the yeah. people hand over their yeah. well-earned and mm-hmm. hard-earned money to this robber who probably actually needed the money? Can you tell? Because he wasn't really wearing shoes. So he kind of needed the money in the end. So maybe we should, they should have just handed it over and nobody would have gotten hurt at all. Or the other one that I love anytime there's a police shooting, uh, it's always, couldn't they have just shot the gun out yeah. of his hand? Or shot his leg yeah, or something. Just By the way, him. The, the woman who's the off-duty police officer, you can tell she's trained to be a police officer because she, she shot right where <laughs> police officers are trained to shoot, which is right in center mass. dead center mass, <laughs> and that puts you down. You don't shoot somebody in the leg when they're roaming around with a gun. <laughs> Police officers aren't trained to do that. Or or why didn't they just pepper spray him? <laughs> Water cannon him. Yeah, why didn't you just spit on him? He would have been <laughs> he'd have ran, ran away then. It's crazy. But it's it's really good video. It's very clear. And it's Brazil, which is uh man, there's a lot if you go to liveleak.com, you're either seeing Russians crossing a center lane and getting killed in car accidents yeah. on video, or because apparently over there Everything is on a dash cam. Yeah. And so, of course, all the dash cam video of people being uh, sent to the promised land is, is from Europe and Russia and those kinds of things. And, and so you're seeing a lot of car accidents or you're seeing shootings in some crappy neighborhood in Brazil right. or in Venezuela or something. Or you're seeing people sprayed with hoses, gigantic fire hoses. You know what a cool thing, an interesting thing about Brazil? And by the way, speaking of liberals, this would drive them nuts. There was a town in Brazil called Americana. Okay. And Americana is a town that was founded in 1866. All right. And in 1866, that was post-Civil War, right? So these people from who were Confederate, uh, who were slaveholders, everything else from Confederate states, they decided they were going to leave the country. And they went over and settled in this small town, called it, called it Americana, 
in Brazil. Okay. Which exists to this day. It's called Americana. Come here, look at this picture. Yeah, I want to see this. These people are all oh, dancing wow. on a gigantic mat or a floor that's shaped like the Confederate flag. This would trigger, like, you, can you imagine how, how, how much this would trigger people down there? But these are all people, and, 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 and Portuguese is, like, English is their first language. But they're, they all speak Portuguese. They're all descendants of Confederate Americans, and they have these festivals every year where they all come out dressed as in antebellum garb and everything else. And, and in fact, um, there are people, like there's a famous singer in, in, um, in, uh, in Americana okay. who is, uh, her middle name is Lee. Because everywhere you go in Americana, there are pictures of Robert E. Lee. And in fact, some of the people, it's prestigious to be from there and named after Robert E. Lee. Now, I, see I the, am not kidding you. I see the Confederate money there. Are they, is that their denomination? No, they okay. still they, they, they use Brazilian, but that's like an old, old school thing. Look at this woman. <laughs> She's in a dress oh, wow. that has the stars and the Confederate <laughs> flag on it. And, and, and she is actually a, a reporter for Glamour magazine in Brazil. But look at the way she's dressed. You imagine if she would have joined, what was it, Joy Bell? Was her name Joy Bell that wore the Trump dress? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, the, the singer Joy, or something? Yeah, yeah. was yeah. it Joy? I can't I remember. I think something, yeah. Those two. But that's a crazy place down there uh, in, in Americana. But if you go down and read about it, it's really cool. So what they did was they brought that's all their... Amazing. Their farm implements down there and everything else, and then they and they 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 brought Christianity to this part yeah. of Brazil, and and so it's a crazy thing. But it would you never, it doesn't really get covered as a cultural phenomenon, no, because of course you see the Confederate flag all over oh, the place yeah. down there, and people dressing in antebellum garb once a year for these festivals and everything else. And, of course, they're not all supporting slavery no. or whatever else, but they're, they're part of the Confederate culture down there, and, and, and they're descendants of Americans. Now, will we be Americans. painted racist because we made light of Confederate flag? Is that, is that the way that works? Um, we made too much light of that, like her dress. Um, well, let's see. That has to be in the event that you care if somebody calls you a racist <laughs> because you made light of a cultural phenomenon Correct. in Brazil, a town called Americana. I mean, otherwise, Martha's uh, I wouldn't worry about it, Ryan. Over this, <laughs> over this story. Would've... It wasn't supposed to happen that way. They were all supposed to fool up her chance and go away, but now they're living down there, and their name is Lee. And they have pictures of Robert E. Lee. Martha Raddatz. You guys, just t- today, <laughs> I wouldn't even bother turning on the TV today or any of these other things because, because all it's going to happen is you're going to have people who are complaining about the president fulfilling his promise, and that is to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to, uh, to Jerusalem. And they're, it's driving them all crazy, and they think the next thing we're going to do is, uh, is probably end up... Uh, uh, in a war because we're not making the Palestinians and the Arabs happy over there because we moved it to Jerusalem. By the way, can you imagine something that is culturally significant to Israel? 
causing so much consternation among people who, when it's really kind of none of their business. It's kind of like this right. is perfect to move the uh, embassy to the Holy Land, right. and, and, and it seems to me to be a perfect place for it, and yet it's driving everybody nuts. I'm really excited about it. Take a break here. We'll take your phone calls afterwards, okay? Does that sound good? I do believe. Hello, Bell. Kentucky. It's time for the South to rise again, baby. Huh? camera thing and do people do people hear that crackling sound that I'm hearing in my headphones yeah, probably a little maybe it's crazy still working out some of those kinks what is talking in my ear something kink crime 
yeah. something that comes across. Yeah, you just it. start messing with It just is a recent, it's a recent development for whatever reason in my uh, uh, crackle. So, yeah, the HD, we have that, and then we're going to have ultimately a, uh, like a four-camera shoot. Yeah. This and is, so this yeah. is just one camera you see. Eventually, we're going to have a multiple cameras in here, and we're going to switch it. That's going to be like a regular TV show. But look at the quality of the video, which is just fantastic. And, and also, by the way, we have a direct plug-in to your, uh, your operation here. So you're not hearing us kind of echoing uh, in, in a third-party type of scene. You've got a direct plug-in to the, to the show, so you're hearing it crystal clear with the exception of this crackly system. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, pull it out of the wall. No worry. We're here at Gaslight, which is great. One of the good things about this, too, is that I could go to the bar and open up a little can of pineapple juice and pour it in the glass and put some water in it. And they don't even know it. I think JB now knows it. But is it okay that I just kind of open up a little can of pineapple? Thanks, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's charging for it. <laughs> I love that. No, everybody's saying the audio sounds great. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's fine. I'm good. I, plus, my headphones are really loud, as they always are, because I like oh, to have my what headphones. Is that Dude, I can't hear. I like, I've been I'm, in radio for a long time now, you know. I mean, it's, it's made me, you know, hard of hearing. Let me give you an example. Here's why you guys say what you want about Austin Peterson. And I get that there's some consternation about certain things he said in the past. We talked about that earlier. Uh, maybe consternation about the, his agnosticism, whatever. I'm not really as concerned about that because I think some of our founding fathers had tended to not be regular churchgoers. I get all that. And, you know, Donald Trump wasn't one either. But the evangelical population appreciated him because they knew he'd fight for them. That's why. And so I, I could say the same thing about Austin Peterson. Anyway, but I think what's causing a lot of people problems are these recently divulged tweets from the time he was running as a libertarian for the presidency with Gary Johnson, and he, where he talked about uh, he talked about Trump followers being cowards and that kind of thing. And so, all right, we're talking about this. And I say, well, eventually we'll get Austin Peters on the air. We can talk about that. Guess what? I get a text from Heather, one of, one of uh, Austin's people. Right. And she says, hey, any interest in having Austin on this morning could have him ready at 840. That's the kind of campaign that Austin Peterson and his people are running, where you don't even have to ask them. They'll put up. And, and that, is, is that the kind of person, and I love all, I think all of our people who were out there were, uh, that we saw were fabulous individuals and were, were great people. And, and I thought I, we saw five distinct personalities and we saw um, uh, five uh, good people and Tony Minetti and Cortland Sykes and the rest of the crew out there. Thank you. I'm using a different mic now. That thing is driving me crazy. So we had uh, Cortland Sykes, and we had uh, 
Tony Minetti, and we had Christy Nichols there, and we had Peter Pfeiffer there and Austin Peterson. But I'm just telling you, though, when it comes to people with courage and people who are going to be able to kind of stand up, regardless of what the issue is, I prefer people who have some guts and who are able to come forward and say, hey, uh, I'm on, I'm ready to go, and this is what this is all about, this is what I'm all about, and I'll answer any question you have, and that's the kind of thing that you get with Austin Peterson. So there's his number right there, brother. You can give him a shout, and uh, it's, it's a, he's in Kansas City, apparently. But thank you all for coming out to the debate. It was really great. I really appreciate America First Missouri uh, for sponsoring and, and putting forth the debate. It was really great. Uh, ben Murphy and Diane Neff and Annette Reed and Renee Artman, you did a fabulous job in arranging everything. Uh, and we had almost 400 people there, Ryan. It was really great. And thank you all for getting a hold of the Radio Free Almond gear. So we had the hats and we have the tees and we have the tanks and all those kind of things that were going just absolutely gangbusters. And so that's really cool, too. And thank you for all that support there. And um, it was great. It was it was a little bit at first there were some belief that there were going to be protesters there. Uh, and, and there were some people who were worried that there were going to be protesters out there, and they were concerned about that from a standpoint of, oh, are they going to cause trouble? Are they after Allman? Whatever. And I was like, well, um, here's the deal. I'd be, I'd be surprised if they came back out again. Am I talking into this one or talking into that one? I'd be surprised. if they, Once you give that one to Ryan, I'll just keep using this one. Okay. Uh, so, we, uh, so I said, well, they might be out there and they might be after me or they might – I don't know what they, their, their beef would be, but they might be after me. And so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to grab my friends over at Asymmetric Solutions – and I'm going to have my buddy Lance with me the entire time. And if there's any kind of trouble, good old Lance will take care of it. And so he was with me the entire night. I really appreciate the support of Asymmetric Solutions. We're going to have to get these guys on with us this week because there's stories that these guys are butt kickers, man. These guys are all veterans or police officers or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, they're, 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 and they're, there's not one ounce of trouble there. And I know schools are technically gun-free zones, but too bad. So we have Austin on. I'm going to put him on right All now. Right, good, Groovy. Now I'm now I'm hearing the crackling in this microphone. <laughs> it chases you. I know. I'm being chased by a crackler. <laughs> oh Lord! I'm glad he was willing to do this. Well, if they called us. It's 841. They should call him at 840. Is it? Is it the- Hello, Radio Free Allman. Hey, it's Austin Peterson. What's up, brother? Hey, man. Feeling fresh, ready to rock. And I'm, man, after that debate last week, I'm ready for Holly, dude. I got to tell you, it was very impressive. I-, I think everybody was impressive in their own right. Uh, but that seemed to be kind of your place, buddy. You kind of really love that atmosphere and i think we're able to get your points across i know that there were a couple of dumb questions but for the most part <laughs> you, you, you know 
And that's between why that I, and, want, I, w- I was just we're thinking, man, if only Jamie was asking all the questions, <laughs> I know he'd ask the right ones instead of like freaking sharks with freaking laser beams. How will you stop them? You know, <laughs> or 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 having to, I wouldn't every five minutes talk about how I should be the one running for Senate. That's for sure. You know, as Ed Martin. Yeah, did, that was annoying. Was like, Dude, I mean, I know. I mean, come on, man. All right. So in the aftermath of all that, now that everybody got a chance to see. Uh, all you guys in in one place and, and talk to you all over the internet. Then suddenly there were some people they were spreading this the, these old tweets of yours that were uh, from when you were running as a libertarian candidate. I did explain to people. Keep in mind there were a lot of things said about a lot of people, and and a lot of those people who said those things have since been on our side, and we have basically like. It was during the heat of battle, whatever. But there were people who were specifically worried about some tweets that you had ha- you had sent out uh, during that time about how uh, attacking Trump supporters or criticizing Trump supporters. So, how sure. what do you say to those people who are concerned about that? Of course, yeah. And like you said, you know, I did run for president against the guy, and you know, like it or not, campaigns can get tough. I mean. Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, I mean, these guys all said mean things about the president, and the president said some pretty mean things about them, if you'll remember. But after it was over, they all shook hands and said, let's forget about it and work together. But, um, uh, you know, of course, if you cherry-pick quotes, you can take a lot of things out of context, but nobody took a look at my timeline in the days after the election, because the day after the election, Jamie, I said, congratulations to President Trump and his supporters. Let's look at the president's platform, the president-elect's platform, and let's see what we got. And I'm optimistic. You know, all the liberals are are doing this not-my-president stuff, and I said firmly, no, we voted. He is our president, and, you know, we've got to get behind him because we, you know, it's like they're cheering against, a lot of people were cheering against the pilot who's driving the plane. It's no, no, we need the president to succeed. And I've been just blown away by the things that the president did in his first year. I said in the debate exactly where I agreed with him on Gorsuch, tax cuts, regulations, pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord. I stand with the president. And then in the debate, I said where I've disagreed. I've called balls and strikes. He, he threatened to veto the omnibus. He should have done it. Right. And then, of course, there was, um, you know, the, the, the stuff about guns. You know, let's not go and ban firearms, accessories, to the executive orders. I'm going to stand with the Second Amendment. What bothers me, Jamie, is that I think that people they some people want to send a yes man to Washington D.C. And if you if you send a yes man, that guy's going to get eaten by the swamp. If you send somebody who stands for ideas and principles and doesn't waver on them, no matter what the letter after their last name is, then you're getting a statesman, not a politician. So yeah, you know, I was tough and I talked tough, and a lot of other people did too. But you know what? This is just a lot of people who just want to tear me down. They just don't want to see me become the next senator for whatever reason, whether they're supporting another candidate or perhaps they just they can't get over the fact. You know, so, sometimes there's there's a little bit of snowflake on the right. You know, Jamie, like snowflakes oh, yeah. aren't entirely confined to the left. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know I do the one <laughs> point, and I, I will tell you that the crowd erupted. When you talked about the omnibus bill, you'd think that there are some people thinking about this, thinking about that. But the reality is when you went ahead and, and you when you said that's the one thing you disagreed with them on, that entire crowd, I don't, some of them even supporting another candidate maybe, all just absolutely mm-hmm. cheered that comment. And, and that was a, a super good one. And the other one, there were people who I respected who were conservatives who were concerned about President Trump. And some of the civil libertarian 
sides of, of us that were a little uncomfortable by what we were seeing as telegraphed by him. I managed, as being a Trump supporter the entire time, I managed to overlook some of that stuff, actually depending like the founding fathers did on the Senate or some other people to speak up, and there's always checks and balances. So I was able to overlook some of that stuff, but it wasn't beyond the realm of comprehension. There were some people concerned about uh, President Trump and whether or not he was going to be truly protective of civil liberties and those kinds of things. Agreed. And and it's very important to remember the Senate is a co-equal branch, right? The checks and balances exist for a reason. And, you know, here's the deal, Jamie. President Trump is not an ideologue, right? He's he's not like us who sits down and reads Mises and Hayek and arrives at a free market (laughs) economic theory based on, you know, da-da-da. He's got gut instincts. He's got great gut instincts. I think what you really need is you need good people around them because, like I said in the debate, the never-Trumpers, the Danforths and others, they are hiding, waiting in the wings behind Josh Hawley to get their boy in there because, trust me, the way that Josh is treating Eric Greitens right now, I guarantee it's going to be the same deal when he gets into Congress next year because those people right there trump kicked their ass and they want back in power so bad that they're willing to bite their tongue when josh hawley says nice things about trump just to get their boy in there now i've been critical of the president but it's been because of policies and you know again like i said everybody said mean things about each other when they're campaigning but we're all republicans now and we need good people surrounding the president to whisper in his ear yeah veto it mr president do it veto don't listen to chuck schumer don't listen to mitch mcconnell listen to the conservatives who elected you in missouri they don't want the omnibus they don't want second amendment they don't want gun control and i think if we get another good guy in there that may tip the balance in our favor. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right. And here's one of the things that I was concerned about too regarding this debate. There wasn't one member of the news media there. There, I mean, I'm talking about not even the Post Dispatch covered this debate, which was shocking to me. And and Ryan had pointed out, well, you know, had Hawley been there, they might have covered it. I go, that's a red flag in itself because that means that Hawley is the post-dispatches candidate. That means that Hawley is the favored guy among Democrats, and that ought to be terrifying to, to most of us. Listen, I don't want to engage in too much rumor mongering, but I got a bad feeling that the Democrats got something on this guy and they're just waiting until the general election. I got a bad feeling that Josh has got something in his past that they are just like, oh, yeah, this is the guy. And then he just pulls the Todd Aiken and and then he's like, oh, well, I can just go be attorney general now because it doesn't matter. I mean, that's why he's not working hard. That's why he's he doesn't care because he's been handed everything his entire life. And, you know, he complains about coastal elites. Meanwhile, the guy went to Yale. He was complaining about higher education, how it indoctrinates leftists, people into being leftists. Well, maybe him going to Yale is where he got his position on gun control or something, because the attorney general of this state has been all over the map on conservative issues. He didn't – we haven't heard whether he would have supported the omnibus. Of course, if you take Mitch McConnell's coin, you're going to have to sing Mitch McConnell's song, so I imagine he would have had to vote for that. So, again, Jamie, here's the thing. You got one grassroots guy in this race who's actually got money in the bank, who actually has an infrastructure, who actually can get up on stage. And you saw I was a ferocious debater. What do you think I'm going to do to Claire McCaskill if you put me up on the stage with her? I will eat her alive. Josh Hawley doesn't have the, 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 the work ethic. He's not out there raising money like he should. He wasn't there. Jamie, he went to a, a, an event in Sykeston 
with three people. They wouldn't show the crowd because there was nobody there just to pretend like he was being like he wants to be a public servant. Well, I'm sorry. That debate was about the people. That debate was about the grassroots. And I don't care if Josh Hawley thinks we're the undercard or whatever. He was too good for us. This isn't about us. This is about the grassroots. And they deserve to hear his ideas. Not a damn thing on his website about what he believes. And we're going to trust him to confirm federal judges. We're going to trust him to vote conservatively on the Second Amendment when he's already came out against it. We're going to trust him to vote to protect our privacy when he's already said he would have voted with Claire McCaskill on surveillance. No, 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 no. The, conser- the constitutional conservative in the Republican primary is Austin Peterson. And if you look at the financial reports, Jamie, not a single candidate on that stage has got a dime in their pocket. I'm the only guy who's got the cash, who's got the infrastructure, and who's got the, the chops to take on Claire. You know, the only thing I'm worried about, I hope the news media isn't hearing this because you just threatened to eat Claire McCaskill alive. And so, you know, you, you know how people take this. It's like they're going to next thing you know, the headline is going to be uh, Austin Peterson threatens to eat Claire McCaskill alive. Yeah. Watch out. <laughs> Bring so, it on. Bring it on, liberals. <laughs> right. I, I, you know, <laughs> Ryan, you have, have a, I do have a question for you. Here, come over here to this yeah, microphone. I don't, since, I don't know. That thing's not plugged in. Yeah. We have some issues hey, here. I, I do have a question for you. Um, I know we've been getting a lot of comments from listeners and viewers, and uh, a big one is pro-life. I mean, uh, most of us, including myself, are, are very pro-life, and I know that matters much, uh, our, our Christian faith. And that has been brought up a lot about you not being or, or you being out and open about not being a Christian. So I'm just curious how, what is your response to uh, issues that matter to us and yeah. how you will be able to defend us if you yourself are not one, per se? That's a great question. Well, first of all, I, you're asking me whether I'm one of the tribe. I am one of the tribe. I am a, a fiscal and constitutional conservative. And, and think about this. Please give me a little time to kind of explain this, guys, because it's a sensitive subject. Um, the in a primary, you have every you have every incentive to lie to people just to get votes. And I, I took it upon myself during this campaign not to lie to the people, to tell people who I am and what I believe and to be transparent and honest. It would be very easy for me to lie about being you know religious here or you know some faith or the other. But my answer has always been that I don't know. And some people are trying to say, oh, well, he's an atheist. He's an atheist. Well, that's not true. And I'm an agnostic which means that I don't claim to have superior knowledge about what I higher powers. I'm still searching for the answers. And I think that that's an intellectually honest thing. It's a dangerous thing to say politically in Missouri. But am I 100% pro-life? You damn right I am. And I think that scientifically we can prove that that is a human being that is, that is in the womb. You know, and if it's a human being, then don't all human beings deserve the same right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Yes, absolutely they do. You know what the most politically incorrect thing is that you can say nowadays is you're supposed to be personally responsible. Even a lot of conservatives get mad when you say things like that. Um, but when it comes to my faith, I think people think that just because I'm not a part of their particular tribe that, uh, that I wouldn't protect their religious liberty or that I want to remove in God we trust or make it so that people can't say the Pledge of Allegiance, which, Jamie, you saw me. I, I had my hand over my heart, and I pledged allegiance to the flag, and I, I was the loudest singer 
of the national anthem. I love my country, and I want to protect our freedom. I think, you know, Jamie, I, I think that there's a problem. Some people don't believe in religious liberty, and, and people want to try and attack me because they don't think that they uh, – I, I think that they just don't – they don't believe in freedom the same way that I do, the way that the, the founders did and the Constitution holds back. You know, I want to I want to protect religious liberty. I've done it in the past. I think that the left is is – attacking Christianity because the left has replaced the concept of God with government. And one of the things that we, that Ben Shapiro and I have been talking about is how if we have a smaller government, we're going to need families, friends, neighbors, and churches to step up and play a greater role in society. So I'm not anti-religion. I believe in freedom of religion, and I will protect it, but I won't lie to voters like a lot of politicians will. And I won't pander to voters, especially like a lot of, of politicians do, just to get their vote. So, so if I won't lie to you now, then you know I won't lie to you next year. Well, you know, one of the things, and Ryan and I were talking about this earlier together on the show before you were on, and I pointed out that, like, for instance, a classic example of, of modern-day views of churchgoers or what have you would be look at the evangelical vote and how it turned out for President Trump, yeah. even though President Trump was not a regular churchgoer, but people in the evangelical community at the time – and I hate to draw everybody with one grouping, but what I'm saying is the evangelical vote, so to speak – all they wanted to do, they didn't want to pastor as president, but they wanted, all they needed to do was be convinced that this person was going to fight for their liberties. And, and even if Amen. you go back historically to the, and, and, and they believe that President Trump was that person. And also, uh, historically, if you look at our founding fathers, many of them, some of them at least, were uh, deists. Some of them were, uh, di- had different views of religion. Not all of them were necessarily organized churchgoers, that kind of thing. And yet yeah. you couldn't find more patriotic people than, than, in my opinion, than our founding fathers. And I find, I, I find that to be an example of where, yeah, you, I, to me, a leader to me doesn't have to be either part of my faith or a person who even goes to church right. every Sunday. Uh, I just have to know right. those people are, are looking out for me and my liberty. And I don't, I don't believe as U.S. Senator you're going to go trolling for uh, Christmas decorations outside of city halls. I mean, oh my not, God, you know. no! I can't stand the left, Jamie. I think that they, I, again, I think that the left wants to divorce religion from the public square, and I think we have to fight back. I was the I was the loudest voice in 2016, taking Gary Johnson to the woodshed because he thought that we should force Christians to bake wedding cakes for gay marriages. And I and you know what I said to him, Jamie? I said, "Would you force a Jewish baker to bake a cake for a Nazi wedding?" And he said, "Yes." So I, I think some people have a fundamental misunderstanding of liberty. It, you know who had the biggest influence on me with a lot of these things was Judge Napolitano. You know, yeah. he, he, is a, he is a pre-Vatican II Catholic, I mean, strict man of faith. And he's the one that really fleshed out my understandings about why life is so important, why, why the pro-life position is the libertarian position, and, and why, what we should do to protect life. But there are so many good arguments in favor of life, I think it's indisputable. I think we have to protect life, and and we have to protect the concept of personal uh, religious liberty. And I have been one of the strongest proponents of religious liberty. I, listen, I can't win everyone with this argument. There are just going to be some people, just like, remember John F. Kennedy. When John F. Kennedy ran for president, they didn't trust him because he was a Catholic. And now it's it's sort of the same thing. It's like, we you know, we don't trust you, Austin, because you're not this or you're not that. But, I mean, you know, sometimes you ha- you 
just have to take a risk and be honest with people and tell them what you believe. And some people are just never going to trust you. But you know what? You can't if you, you can't please everyone. If well, you do, if you try, you end up pleasing nobody. I take it even further, too, sometimes regarding, like, for instance, I'm an avid – I really dislike the death penalty. And, and, right. and the reason I do is Amen. because I just – I don't believe any state ought to have the power to off one of its own Absolutely. citizens. And so to me, that's a perfectly pro-life position to take, even though some people would say that's a weak liberal position. It's not really. It's more along the lines of, of, of a civil libertarian position. Yep. So I, I, really, I really have issues with that, and I, I love talking about that, and I know you do too, because you know, we talk about, um, uh, like, for instance, justice reform, uh, prison reform. And I think th- those are perfectly great areas for conservatives to get into, uh, as we t- uh, and even the asset forfeiture issue that that came up uh, Friday night, which to me is completely a violation of the Fourth Amendment uh, and beyond. And so, you know, th- those kinds of things we need to talk about as conservatives. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the conservatives who are leading the charge right now on on, on uh, criminal justice reform. People like Rand Paul and others who are yeah. spearheading that movement. You know, and again, it, it's a fiscal conservative issue, right? What are we? I think we're spending twenty seven billion dollars a year on the federal war on drugs, right? We're we're putting police officers' lives in danger to go and bust some kid smoking pot in his mom's basement. I mean, even Sarah Palin said we have better things to do. So it is the conservative position right now. But you know what? Republicans, conservatives, we've always been the pro freedom people, right? The Republican Party was the anti slavery party. We are not the party of big government and statism. We need to 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 secure our roots. We need a limited government constitutional conservative from Missouri because that's what the people of Missouri want. And here's the deal, Jamie, like, you know, all those attacks, people were saying all these attacks on me and stuff like that. Yeah, that may hurt me in a primary, but Jamie, put me up against Claire McCaskill in a general election because those quote unquote weaknesses suddenly turn into massive strengths. Because what happens when the civil libertarian Democrats who are sick and tired of wars, who are sick and tired of this failed war on drugs, who are sick and tired of having a a foreign policy that is America first, those people will look at the Republican and say, wait a minute, the Republican's better than Claire McCaskill on these issues. She's never done a damn thing for us on these issues. The Republican is actually is actually better than Claire. So so. You know, for if, if you're an anybody but Claire person, if you're looking at Austin Peterson, I'm the only guy who can get not only all the Republican votes, that's 50 percent, all of the libertarian votes, that's 6 percent. That's victory right there, guaranteed. But I'll get most of the independents, and I'm going to get a lot of the few sane Democrats who are left over. You want to beat Claire. Austin Peterson's the guy who can do it. Otherwise, we're get, we do what we've always done. We're going to get what we've always got. One more quick question, because some people had this concern in the aftermath of the debate, which I thought was great because everybody you really had five distinctive personalities, distinctive approaches, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, One thing and I I wasn't able to answer this adequately because I'm not quite sure I, I was. I was trying to pay attention, but I was also wandering around the room trying to get people questioning. I didn't hear everything. But now are you. Are you an open borders guy or what what is your what is your view of immigration? Yeah, or illegal immigration. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the thing is, is that, you know, I'm not an open borders guy. I'm for security check. I'm for a disease check. you got to pass a citizenship test before you can start the path to naturalization here in the United States. But the, the, the 
are either for the wall or you're for open borders. Well, that's just not true because what when people are asking if you're for the wall, what they're really asking you, Jamie, is do you want a massive FDR-style public works program that's going to raise spending, raise taxes, and steal land from Republicans in Texas? Do you realize how much eminent domain is going to have to go into that project? And it just it just ticks me off because that money could easily be used to beef up border security and things that will actually be effective. It's it took us more than eight years, which is the terms of two, you know two terms of a president take more than eight years to build the Freedom Tower a building that the whole country wanted in downtown New York City. I just don't want to lie to people. I think that there are better ways to secure our borders. I think we need to protect the constitutional rights of American citizens. Did you know that the 100 miles around the border is a constitution-free zone where they can search and seize in your car without without uh, due process? I mean, we got to protect American civil liberties here. So if they came after the Peterson farm for, with eminent domain, I want my senator to stand up for me and say, no, you don't need to take this farmer's land. No, you don't need to take that person's land. So right. you're either for eminent domain and you're not a conservative or you're going to protect people and their freedom and their land. And I am a man of the land, son of a farmer, born in independence, raised on a horse farm in Peculiar, not too far from a town called Liberty, which is what I'm all about. And I will protect all of your liberties all, all of the time. And one last thing, Jamie, you may not always agree with me, but you're always going to know where I stand, my man. You know what's interesting too, Austin Peterson, is uh, there's a really honestly an off chance that the wall isn't even necessary. I know that sounds kind of weird, but if you look at the numbers of illegal immigrations who uh, immigrants who aren't coming across the border anymore, and also the self deportation that's going on, you'd be surprised at possibly five years from now how unnecessary the wall will be, and ultimately it became more of a symbol of us being tough on illegal immigration, which I think we could we could certainly do. Hey, man, can you can you oh, help me out, though, since you're a friend of Nepal? I was also, and he was on my show every single Tuesday. Now, I can't get any of these Fox guys on with me because Fox News is forbidding them from being on the air with me because we're not really a Fox affiliate. But Judge Napolitano was a friend of mine. And, and the only thing is I never I yeah. never had his number. My producers had it. And so oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Jamie, I'll hook you up. Say, say no more, buddy. I'll hook you up I'll, this today. I'll send you his number. I'll send you his email. He loves you. Yeah, he always said nice things about you. He told me to call you first thing when I when I launched my campaign. So I'll send that over to you later. I, I got to run. I got a political okay, reporter uh, to call. You guys have a wonderful All day. Right, Thanks, Jamie. Let's make Thank America you. great again, brother. All right. Yes. Okay, buddy. I'll see you later. So there you go. I mean, uh, listen, there were a lot of people with uh, in the aftermath of the debate. They were worried about his border yeah. situation. They were worried about the uh, the situation regarding the old tweets. Uh, you addressed deathly uh, the situation regarding his religious inclinations, those kinds of things. And so, you know, and then and he's the one. And they called us. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, obviously we could have called them, but we were going to say, "Oh, we'll get him on. We'll talk about this stuff." And, stuff. and boom, they're they on the out. phone. And that's the kind of campaign yeah. you have to find impressive. There was somebody saying uh, that uh, Phil. Uh, Valencia texted me and goes, if he thinks Cortland Sykes doesn't have money, he's out of his mind. <laughs> yeah, I think Cortland Sykes, Sykes has, has some, some money. money. I mean, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just telling you. The guy has some cash. But to my point about Napolitano, that's the thing. I, like, for instance, I tried to get Todd Starnes on with me. He said no go because Fox News won't let him on. Uh, but Judge Napolitano, I'll, I'll text him. I say, if you're truly a libertarian, if you're truly an independent-minded individual, you'll come on Radio Free Almond no matter what Fox News says. I agree. 
but people loved him. I used to call him the Thresher oh, because great. he would just uh, and and actually Peterson would probably since he grew up on a farm would probably uh, be familiar with the Thresher, which is he just cuts through. The wheat, the chaff, separates the wheat from the chaff and all that kind of thing. And, and that's why I called him the Thresher, because every time we'd have him on, all I wanted to do was listen to him talk. Can you imagine him having, like, back in the day, I was always up against a hard break with him. I had to go. Can you imagine having a, well, I don't oh. know whether he actually could have a 20 minutes. He's a very busy <laughs> guy. Busy. But nonetheless, can you imagine having a elongated conversation with this guy who is brilliant, first of all? Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes I'm not always really comfortable with his stance on certain things, I get it. Uh, but for the most part, uh, Joseph Politano is just the deal. So look at us. We went over our time. Who cares? Wait, why did that happen? We don't want that. No, I was with this. Jamie, I appreciate you, buddy. And you too, brother. I love our new setup. Ah, I, knew, I love great. our new Facebook. Uh, and we'll get all the staticky stuff. Yeah. Somebody's even tested me. It might be the bit mode that is lagging. I'm like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We got guys. We got people. We got brains that behind this operation. So uh, the HD, we're gonna yeah. keep adding cameras. Yep. I, I hope you guys have experienced because now that we know, so many people flock to the Facebook page as well as the stream. But also the Facebook page. We wanted to make that experience good for you. The streamers, you're getting a good plug in a good signal. The Facebook folks and so many of you out there, we wanted to make sure you were getting the you were getting the full pipeline to our audio, everything else. And so hopefully that was a good experience for all of you. Yeah. Don't forget, uh, we had to do our happy hour this week. I know. I got a lot of suggestions from people about where to okay. have a happy hour. So maybe we'll make some calls. Beautiful. We're going to try to do it Thursday, right? Yep. And we'll do a happy hour. You know, we'll do a, we'll do a Facebook Live for happy hour, yeah. too. Be great. Like 4 o'clock. Let's go. Let it, let it rip. Great show, buddy. You too, man. Thank you, Ryan. Jay Cox. Appreciate you, as always. Folks, thanks a ton. And Radio Free Almond is off and running in its second week, people. Have a great day.